0: This is LBC leading Britain's conversation with Steve Allen. Tweet at LBC. Text 84850 Steve Allen on LBC.
1: Morning, everybody. It's Wednesday. It's the 10th of June, and apparently the weather's going to be quite nice today. So, apparently, if you water your baskets incorrectly, you get a smack in the face. That's what happened to one poor pensioner. He was watering his baskets with a hose. and Another bloke who lives in the same block of flats came up and said, you're not Alan Titchmarsh, punched him in the face. Anyway, he got taken to court, and will name and shame. This morning, he was found guilty. The Channel 4 bosses' pay has gone up. I mean, serious money, serious money. Ratings for many of the shows have gone down. John Inverdale's been kicked out of doing the uh, the coverage on the television for the tennis. Who's it going to? Yes, it's Claire Balding. Yes, it's Claire Balding. Uh, the mystery of the gnome invasion. And according to one columnist, Kate Moss has a jumped-up madam. But no need to call the police be honest with you, I mean, if you if you think Kate Moss is bad, look at the pictures in the papers today of Magaluf, uh, a place that uh, over the years have systematically milked the idea that the Brits, and it is mainly the Brits, want to go there and get completely blathered, and they'll more than happily... I mean, people die in there. They, people die on the streets because of the amount of alcohol that they consume. You know what sort of people they are. It's the vest and pant brigade. They walk out there. The clubs encourage girls to get their boobs out, and uh, you have all sorts of things going on, and so now they've decided they've had enough. Having milked it for years, having made an absolute fortune, the bar owners have absolutely milked it beyond all belief, and now all of a sudden the police are going, uh, we don't want any more, because the whole thing's got out of hand, and so what have they found? they found the Brits who couldn't give a flying forex what the police over in Magaluf think about it. It is a ghastly place. If you are over the age of... Forty, or your mental age is about seven, you will... uh, If your mental age is seven, you'll love it. If you're over 40, you will absolutely hate it. It's just full of drunk northerners. It mainly is, because in London, you know, we've learnt how to control our boozing. Unfortunately, if you come from up north, it's the world of tattoos, people wearing their vests in daytime hours. Slightly disturbing. They don't have shirts. And girls who are more than happy to sleep with just about anybody. So that's Magaluf. That's why they call it... well, anyway, they do. And people go over there and they apparently think they have a great time. Most of them spend most of it face down in the gutter. And so the police are now fining people for nudity, urinating in the street, all the usual things that you get in every other city. Uh, what else are they finding you for? Oh, yes. Um, if you're taken to a bar, um, then you've got to go escorted if you're with a, a tour group. And the tour guide has got to have first aid treatment. Well, does all the programmes I've ever seen on Magaluf featuring the tour guides mean that the tour guides are as bad as the people they're escorting round? Not much hope of that one. One bar owner's really upset. i it's going to work. I'm going to lose all this money. It's going to be terrible. And um, and I thought, well, you know, it's gone on for years now. I think it's about time we reined it in. There's only going to be sort of serious damage done over there. But they've been over with the, with some of the reporters just to see what, what sort of people are like. And you, you get all sorts of people who are sort I mean, it's just the people who... I don't know they're just they're just very sort of they're off the scale they're off the scale as to sort of people they have foam parties and um, you know I mean if you like that kind of thing if as I say if you've got the mental age of a cabbage well then you'll probably absolutely love it but uh, they're they're out there now checking there's a curfew Uh, one one particular girl is a nurse from Scotland her name is Hannah McDonald there's a picture of her. I mean, I should imagine she'll be coming back to no job. I wouldn't want her working in any hospital. I don't think she's just a stand nurse. I think she looks after mentally ill people. And she says, I'm here to get effing mortal in the street. I've no idea what that means. To get effing mortal in the... I, think, I don't know what that means, actually. I've got no idea. Anyway... Oh, apparently it's the Geordie Shore... Oh, right, OK, it's the Geordie Shaw line. It's like Ream from Essex and things like that. But, of course, nobody apart from Joseph, Joey Essex actually ever says Ream or... What was the other one? A salty potato. That apparently is a girl, according to the small but tiny mind of Joey Essex. A salty potato. Have you ever heard anybody in Essex ever say, I'm going out with a salty potato? He should have had a good slap on the back of his legs years ago. Mind you, of course, if I was a migrant... Actually, I'm sure if you cast your mind back far enough in my life, I must have been, mustn't I? Because now they're actually saying that, uh, that you can actually slap children, provided you're a migrant. And if it's in your culture... God's name, what sort of culture has slapping children in it? I mean, I can't, I can't think of any cultures off the top of my head. But if, if that's what they're saying, I could go back to where I came from. I don't really know what that is, actually. I suppose if you trace it far enough back, it's got to be somewhere overseas, hasn't it? Perhaps I came in on a Viking longboat. That'd be quite exciting. Uh, still no TV work for Dermot O'Dreary. He's apparently thinking of going to America. I don't know. I think uh, Dermot, you know, to be brutally honest with you, mate, there are enough people parking cars, but, I mean, if you think you can help, then uh, then good for you. Uh, Anton Deck, £8 million a year. That's their pay. £8 million. Cheap. Cheap. They have three of the top-rated programmes, 8 million each, uh, sorry, uh, between two of them, 4 million each, cheap. I'm seriously telling you that's cheap in television terms. I think they're amazingly good value. I know it seems a lot of money, but when you consider that the boss of Channel 4 is on about £890,000 a year, and he hasn't got any programmes that are rating at the moment, I mean, some of them are so awful. They put them on and then they, then they take them off again, which is probably a lot easier. Uh, Katie wants Peter to pay the pricing. This is a three year ongoing battle between Katie Price, otherwise known as Jordan, otherwise known as Crap, and Peter, I'm a singer, Andre. No, you're not. Um, because Katie Price is going to take to court her ex-manager, Claire, who is Peter's current manager. And she's claiming invasion of privacy. I mean, the whole thing. It's been going on for three years. Finally, I think there is a court date. I think there is a court date. And so she wants money. It's The whole thing is just going to turn really nasty. The last time poor Katie Price did this, she lost to the tune of £200,000, so I hope she's thought about it very carefully. The arguments are, are on both sides. She's claiming that she was betrayed, and I mean, to be honest with you, I've looked at it, both these people crave publicity both of them crave publicity. Katie Price sells every aspect of her life. There is not one aspect of her life she doesn't tweet about, do Instagram pictures on Facebook. It's all there. She discusses her entire life. Every time she does something, there are pictures. You've seen them in the newspapers. You see them on a daily basis. So how you can ever go there saying, "Oh, you know, they they betrayed a confidence and they said, she sold everything." It's like I keep saying to people within the business, not sort of generally to their faces, because it's difficult to try and find them when they're sort of not out clubbing or sticking their fizzogs in OK magazine. I do say to them, this is going to come back and bite you on your bottom. Very soon. It's, you know, you have to be well aware of how the media works. You can be up one minute and they, oh, take your picture, put you in OK magazine. I mean, it's a bit desperate, as we said yesterday, when poor old um, What's-Her-Face out of Coronation Street is telling a story about her boyfriend who lasted a year splitting up with her. You know, you can understand it, if you know, if her mother lived to 170, then there would be a story. Just some boyfriend that you can't keep your hands on finishing is not, as far as I'm concerned, justifiable to write about in a magazine like OK or any magazine. I couldn't care less. I really, I couldn't care less. But because she sells every aspect of her life, she has no right to any privacy whatsoever because she sold it. Sold it down the river. People often say to me, you know, don't any of the celebrities ever come back to you? Why would they? The ones I talk about aren't even celebrities. If they were a celebrity, you know and they've done something, all I ever speak is the truth. Sometimes the truth hurts, but then you have to tell them because mainly nobody teaches them. The only person they've actually got is an agent, and the agent's after their twenty, twenty five percent, fifteen percent, whatever it happens to be. That's what the agent's are after. the agent's are after as much money as they can get. so the more they get them in the magazines, the better it is. So when you see the Frankie Sandfords and the and the other poor creatures who parade their talentless little bodies over the pages of the magazine, I mean, as if anybody's going to be interested in somebody from Coronation Street whose boyfriend isn't with her anymore, I mean, why would that be a story? And you know, in the best laid plans, it can't be. It can't be because otherwise she's making herself look really stupid. We always said, didn't we, about Katie Price? You know, one marriage, OK, failed. Second marriage, starting to look a bit wrong. time we get on to the third person, you're now suddenly realising the fault lies with her. She is the problem. She is the big problem. She is the ego that is out of control with a very small little selection of friends because she gets rid of people quite quickly. Doesn't tell... I remember some years ago, somebody tweeted pictures of a-, a party at her place. I think for New Year's Eve... And she went round the bend with it. I mean, seriously, we've all overreacted in our time. But uh, she, I'm not. that's right, that person's out of my life. And so gradually, people realise that she's not very pleasant and you don't really need to hang around with her at all because she's got nothing. However, over in the Big Brother house, guess who they're putting back in again? Yes, one of, their, uh, one of their former Big Brother contestants from years and years ago is going back in the house. I'll tell you who it is. In fact, three of them are going back in the house. I'll tell you who it is. I'll give you a clue. It's not working. It's not working. <laughs> oh, it's working. She's going back in again. Uh, 84850, Steve at lbc.co.uk. And... What are we going to do, actually? I took the mother-in-law to Magaluf, says and Told her I'd show her the island, so I hired a motorbike. Ran down a dirt track to discover a nudist beach. What, you were in Magaluf High Street? We, we went to Magaluf years ago. We were staying uh, up the road. Well, quite a bit up the road. So we decided to go and have a look and see what it was like. And so me and a friend get in a car... And we go down. We said to the driver, listen, we'll, 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 we'll just have a quick look. Don't go anywhere because we're more than likely going to be coming home fairly quickly. or We might just have a drink in a bar. We got there. We pulled up. We got out the car. We looked around. We got back in the car, We went back where we came from. It was so awful. I mean, seriously, it's just and this was about six, seven o'clock in the evening. There were so many drunks about falling into bushes and in the, it was just pitiful to watch that blooming word again, isn't it? Pitiful? I quite like it though, I think it it, sound, it sounds it always makes me laugh that word. <laughs> he looked at me with pity in his eyes. <laughs> uh, the man behind the world's biggest pop songs is going to get a special evening. It's Pete Waterman. Pete Waterman. so we'll tell you about his story a little bit later on. and uh, And I must tell you actually about the nail varnish that every woman will desire. You know why you'll desire it. Scientists have, have worked out a nail varnish, and I'm sure it will be on sale everywhere, probably in about a year's time it repairs itself. So in other words, if it actually gets a crack in it, it will repair itself. Now that is the bane of most women's lives. They look at it and... Oh God, it's gone again, hasn't it? I used to like colour-changing lipsticks. Not for myself, you understand, but I was just intrigued by the actual... The actual premise of why you would have a lipstick that you put on one colour and then it changes to another colour—I thought that was quite clever. Actually, I don't think I, I, I couldn't see a reason for it. Otherwise, you could sort of do it. Because sometimes you look at Jordan's makeup and you do think it's been done by Coco the Clown, don't you? Uh, Katie Price should go on Judge Rinder. I can't watch that program. I really can't. I know a few people like it, not not many, and uh, it's just too dreary. I'm sorry. I'd like I like judges to be somewhat butcher. I don't know why, I just sort of feel that there should be a little bit more to it. And somebody sitting there with hair that looks like it's been spray-painted on his head. Ghastly. What did we have here? Oh, Lady Gaga, out with Prince Harry. It's another freebie for Prince Harry. But it's under the guise of charity, so that's good, isn't it? They like that. They like that kind of thing. And it's another another picture to print of him. Uh, There was also the HSBCU. They're getting rid of uh, 8,000 people, I think. 8,000 UK jobs. And they're going to rebrand. And we think... According to what I've been reading in the papers this morning, we think it could be the Midland. So I quite like the old-fashioned names. Unfortunately, I'm so old-fashioned, I haven't discovered yet that uh, if my £82 million that I got last night on the lottery is going to stay with my bank of Toytown, uh, or we're going to go to Coots. Haven't quite decided. Haven't quite decided just yet. Uh, what else do we have in the papers for today? We have Jane Moore doing her column, talking about uh, Kate Moss who's been escorted by police from an EasyJet flight after reportedly being disruptive on board. Hmm. On a budget airline flight from Tenerife a couple of years ago, I saw a passenger get so drunk, says Jane and Larry, that when thankfully he passed out, staff man handled him to a toilet cubicle and left him there to sober up until shortly before landing. But that's enough about the bloke, she said. That's what she calls her old man, by the way, uh, who's Gary. Did police escort the 20-something... Uh, man from the flight, nope, he sheepishly strolled off the plane on another occasion. A woman returning home from a girl's holiday was sick all over herself, and again, no, so what did Kate Moss do on that flight from Turkey that warranted them calling the police? I said a pointless exercise, so the police arrived, taken away from something far more important than some some drunk passenger on EasyJet. I mean, somebody says that when she declined to serve alcohol, when the staff declined to serve it, she drank vodka taken from her own hand luggage, while other reports suggest she sh- swore at staff who were eating at the back of the plane because she wanted some food too. But, I mean, does it really warrant calling the police out? Because you can imagine the police... Uh, we've, got, we've got Kate Moss on the plane. Whoosh! They're like a shot. A picture taken. Thank you. That's what it is, isn't it? I told you before, when Benny Hill died, more than 30 coppers turned up to see his, uh, his his body in his flat at Teddington. I mean, that's what I thought was the ultimate insult for poor Benny Hill he died over a weekend, unfortunately the weather was particularly hot and uh, his agent had tried to call him and couldn't get any response so went round there, put a ladder up the side of the, uh, the flat, which is down the road from me, and uh, Benny had died on the settee, surrounded by brand new shirts, if you please, because he'd, he'd, he'd bought shirts he was quite frugal, you know he was quite frugal. I would often see him walking home through Twickenham up by Twickenham Green. And he'd go to the supermarkets and he'd buy the tins which were reduced in the section for reduced. And I've missed the out time so badly on this one. I don't think anybody really cares, actually, do they? Far more interesting here than worrying about the blasted time. It's, um, well, I can lie and say it's quarter past, but it's not. Nearly 19 minutes past four. The <laughs> at seven. With each of the big four cutting in the region of 50,000 jobs globally, is it now time to stop bashing the bankers? And as Conservative MP Zach Goldsmith says he'll stand for election as the Mayor of London if his constituents support it. We visit Richmond to find out what they think. And how likely is it that Tower Hamlet's mayoral election on Thursday will be clean? That's Nick Ferrari at seven. This morning, after the morning news, with Lisa Aziz, Rupert Myers, political correspondent for British GQ, and the Telegraph blogger will be in the studio looking at the papers. I did hear, actually, John the Cabby from South London, says your blue-eyed boy Boris got hung out to dry on the Nick Ferrari show yesterday. I thought it was hilarious... I thought it was hilarious. I thought it was absolutely classic Boris. I thought it was classic Boris. But seriously, though, I mean, he's not my blue-eyed boy. I just think he's got a great personality. He's a great ambassador. He's out there to have a bit of fun and to have a bit of, you know, to do whatever he wants to do. OK, so some people don't like him. But even God Almighty isn't liked by everybody. So I don't think we should worry too about, about you know, some of Boris's little faux pas. I mean, when you look at the other lineup of candidates, to be honest with you, there's not many I'd be shaking a stick at, Really? It's just a bit. It's just people doing it because they think I need a job and I might as well put in for this as if you just sort of walk into it. I know they've got advisors and I know that you could ask Boris, you know, how much is a pint of lager in Stringfellows? And he wouldn't have the faintest idea what the price was. But there again, I should imagine 99 percent of other people wouldn't have the faintest idea what prices were of certain things. And the uh, I mean, the the thing yesterday was the cycle superhighway, wasn't it? Which apparently you can't force cyclists to, to use. Well, if they stray into the roads, they're going to get knocked down, aren't they? What's the point of spending? What is it, 80 million, he said it was? It only seemed like a lot of money. They're thinking of doing it around our way as well, you know, for about six cyclists. Six cyclists. We've had more accidents, I think, at the junction of uh, of Cross Deep in Twickenham, with cyclists jumping lights. And then a car jumps lights the other side, end up, you know, one person, broken legs. Simple as that. There's no point. I don't know why we have to pander to cyclists all the time. People want to cycle, let them cycle. But they do turn out to be a bunch of old wet Nellies, don't they? Oh, God, me In fact, it's uh, they're so daft, you have to paint a painter, painter symbol of a bicycle so they know it's for them. Yeah, we don't paint a symbol of a car on the road, do we? Because all car drivers are quite sensible. Uh, 84850, steve at UK. So, you know, I, mean, I thought he was hilarious, John. I thought he was really good with Nick Ferrari yesterday. It's, uh, you do realise it's just a game, don't you? You do realise that, you know, they're not really shouting obscenities at each other. It's, it's all very amicable. Very amicable. As you can see on the... Uh, on the uh, the internet you can you can catch up with it on the internet, but uh, I thought it was good. I thought it was great fun actually I mean it depends though you know, it depends whether you 're a fan of Boris or you 're not a fan of Boris. I like him as I say, looking at what, what the options are coming up, I wish he 'd stay on a bit longer because there 's nobody there that I 'd be really interested there might be there might be two, but some of them you think well you 've failed in everything else why why on earth do you think you can sort of take over London? like Ken Livingstone, isn't it? You know, desperate to get back into being mayor of London again. The People of London don't want him. For a Labour man, the one who brought in the congestion charge, it's such a conservative thing to do, don't you think so? Uh, so here he is. This is Papis Cisse. Um, he's, uh, he's a footballer. That's all I know about him. Uh, except he's, uh, he's got a lot of girlfriends on the go because girls flock to footballers because they've got money. They've got money. That's why they flocked. They're not going to them because they're good looking or anything like that. It's because they've got money and they get themselves in the newspapers. So he had uh, girlfriend number one. That's uh, Rachelle. Rachelle is beauty queen. Uh, Girl number two was his bride, who he got married to. That's uh, Diallo Awa. Uh, Girl number three was a dancer called Natalie Gibson. And then another one's crept in now, a model. I don't know what sort of model she turns out to be, but she's not exactly the best looking thing you've ever seen. And she's called Lasconi. And they apparently had an eight-month fling. But there, of course, it's, you know, it's quite easy to say that, isn't it? Because his people aren't going to say anything at all. Makes him look like Mr Stubbunny, doesn't it? So they, they never bother saying anything. So these sort of people crawl out of the woodwork and they go, what are you, darling? I'm a model. Judging by the pose that uh, Lasconi is doing, I think model is the last kind of thing she's going to be doing. I think she's one of those who takes her clothes off by the look of it because she's got one of those hard-as-nails faces. It's a face that looks like it's been there, done it, bought the T-shirt and come back round on herself again. Uh, the dancer over in this country, I'd never heard of Natalie Gibson. We had heard of Rochelle because she didn't know that he was going off to Paris to get married. And, uh, well, I'd say if you choose to go out with a footballer, he can have as many girlfriends as he wants. Now he's married, of course, might be somewhat difficult. And um, and we just have to wait and see. Apparently, Rochelle was Miss Newcastle. Don't make me say it, please. <laughs> uh, they were both horrified, together with Natalie Gibson, uh, to learn that Cissé had tied the knot in secret. Lasconi of Reading kind of sums it up, doesn't it? If you've been to Reading. Don't bother. She apparently spent the last eight months in a relationship. She said, when I read about the wedding, I was in shock. Yeah, you look like you could go into shock, dear. When I then heard about the other two girls, I went into meltdown. He promised me marriage. Oh, don't be so ridiculous. Of course he didn't, dear. Why on earth would he want to marry somebody like you? He's a footballer earning a zillion pounds a year. You don't want to hang about with a with some so-called model from Reading. But apparently Lescone described how Cissé, 30... um." had talked about marriage and kids and we talked about me moving in with him in Newcastle. Oh, you deluded old baggage. Of course he wasn't interested. He was just bedding you. I mean, surely you could... I mean, you can't be that dumb, surely. You don't really think he's interested in somebody who looks like you. All the other ones are lookers. You're kind of the odd one out. If they were doing this on the television, they'd be going, you know, because they do it on Have I Got News For You, you know, here's four pictures, which one's the odd one out? And I'm afraid, Lasconi, you would be the odd one out. All the others are lookers. Anyway, apparently, the cu- the couple's affair began, wait for this one, this is the most romantic thing ever, when £40,000 a week, Cissé messaged Lasconi on Facebook last September, they met up two or three times at a London hotel before Cissé invited her to his amazing house in Newcastle, where she made half a dozen visits. You were just sex, dear. I don't know whether, whether or not you're aware of how the system works with footballers. Anyway, she said she became so convinced she had a future, she even changed the contact name for his number on the phone to my husband. Oh, God, so she's mad as well. That's all we need. (laughs) So this is my boyfriend. Been out with him a little time. I'm not going to put him down as my husband. You're as cracked as you look, darling. God, I'll tell you. Small wonder he wanted to get rid of you. Small wonder. Uh, What else do we have? Oh, we found a um, a charity trickster, who I'll tell you about in a moment which was uh, which is quite interesting, this is a uh, her name is Katrina Jones, and uh, she 's gone to prison, fat bloated old baggage that she is for six years so it 's quite a serious con and uh, maybe she can lose the weight in prison. She comes from sheffield you always worry about the fact they 've got family don 't you and they think that 's my mummy, the convicted criminal, and she 's gone to prison, and she 's in all the newspapers, so we 'll talk about her a little bit later on and um and Kate Moss, who might or might not have recovered from the flight on EasyJet. I mean, obviously a very traumatic experience for poor Kate Moss. I mean, she's so fragile. Have I mean, you noticed they've all got breakdown point? You know, most of them have these sort of breakdown... Naomi Campbell has breakdown points, but almost on a regular basis, because they all believe that because they're fated by the rich and the high and the mighty and all these sort of people, that they are invincible, whereas they're just clothes horses. You might as well get a clothes hanger out and sort of stick it on to one of those things you dry your clothes on. and be about it. Cara Vine and St Vincent still going out pretending that they're either in love or they're not in love, and um, they go out holding hands now. It's almost it's, it's, it's the new fashion, isn't it, lesbianism? It, I'm thinking of becoming one myself. I don't want to miss out. If everybody else is having a great time at being a lesbian, I want to be a lesbian. Can you have a male lesbian? I suppose you could, actually. Uh, I might, might as well get the time right. Might, know this morning. Otherwise, we're going to get into dreadful trouble. So, it's 4.30.
0: Steve Allen on LBC.
1: Morning, everybody. Wednesday, 10th of June. Yesterday was lovely. The hanging baskets arrived, so we've now got... 12 hanging baskets, 12 hanging baskets, and uh, about 15 pots to water. Hanging baskets didn't water yesterday. The one thing you've got to remember, and I've got a hanging basket story a little bit later on, uh, the one thing you've got to remember is when it's windy outside, that dries hanging baskets out. So the good test is put, put your finger in. If the soil feels very dry, give them a bit of a drench. And don't assume that when it rains, your hanging basket is going to get watered, because it doesn't. The rain comes down, it bounces off the leaves, and uh, sometimes makes no difference at all. So my advice is, make sure you do water the hanging baskets. Once a week, a little bit of Tomerite, just to sort of build them up. That'll start them spreading. And uh, mine are in at the moment. We've got strawberry plants as well. We've got strawberries in baskets too, so we'll wait and see how they go. I'm sure they'll do very well. I don't have any doubt in my mind. I've, I've not failed yet. I've never actually had a hanging basket that's given up on me. I have got a couple this year which have got lobelia in. And as you know, I'm not a big fan of lobelia. I think it looks nice, but it's always the first plant to die in baskets. And then you have to start getting rid of them because you can't just cut it off. It looks ridiculous. Uh, Jeremy Clarkson, they're flogging this uh, Top Gear Farewell. Uh, And they were also trying to drum up some interest in TGI Friday, TFI Friday, (laughs) TGI Friday. That'd make it more interesting, wouldn't it, if it was TGI Friday, Uh, which is uh, Chris Evans' programme back for this Friday. So they've sort of said it as if he's going to be hosting Top Gear. But of course, nobody's fallen for it because we've all quite understood exactly what's going on. They're trying to drum up some sort of interest. Uh, Charities slammed for hounding donors or recruiting workers for more aggressive fundraising. There's, uh, I mean, I think 400 complaints to the fundraising watchdog since Olive died. This was the charity donor and she'd been hounded for a long, long time. So uh, that wasn't very nice indeed. I've noticed that no, no particular charities came up and held their hands up. So the papers have to expose them, they have to expose them as the sort of people who will phone that they couldn't care less how old you are. They're just there. I mean, I personally would actually have all chuggers taken out and dropped in a puddle. I'd be more than happy to see that. They're very aggressive. Very, very aggressive. I thought that it, it comes under the Begging Act. And I thought begging was illegal. If you see somebody walking on at you, money. You see them on the trains, don't you, occasionally. Not as often, but I have had them a few times where somebody will lurch through the door and announce in a very loud voice, Ladies and gentlemen, I'm sorry to have to ask you this, but I'm an unemployed person. I managed to buy him a ticket for the train. No, I didn't. I'm on here illegally. And, uh, and if, if you could spare any cash... And then they walk down the carriage. I've never once seen anybody giving them any money. I did see a nurse once. She collected a four. I mean, she could have been a fraud as well. I don't know. I'm a nurse. We don't get paid very much money. I'm trying to raise some money here for for charity today. And, of course, everybody put their hands in their pockets. Don't know why. Nurse, homeless person. Kind of, it's it's a no-win situation, isn't it, for the homeless person? And then we had the other ones, the Romanian gypsies, who go down and put a packet of tissues on there. I mean, as if. As if. A packet of tissue, it'll note. And if you take the tissues, then you leave them some money. But uh, they're on and off the trains, like there's nobody's business. And occasionally the guard gets wind of them and goes, if anybody comes along begging, do not give them any money. They're on the trains illegally. But I think definitely get rid of chuggers. Definitely. Nasty, aggressive people. Earning a fortune. I always say, why don't you give your own money? Stuart says, I think I'm a lesbian trapped in a man's body. Oh, I've seen a picture of you, Stuart. You're definitely a lesbian. I think everybody wants to be a lesbian nowadays. (laughs) (coughs) so funny, isn't it? And, um... Uh, Steve, I saw an AA man yesterday in his van. He looked all sweaty and nervous. I thought to myself, he's heading for a breakdown. Wow. It's a good one, that. It's a good one. Uh, William says, uh, why are cycles not needing insurance and road tags? I don't know. What are you asking me for? Ridiculous. Ridiculous. I did like the line. I was watching the Liberace documentary the other day. It was on uh, on DVD, actually. And he, he, he used to come up with these lines... Because he used to sit there with all this glittering stuff on and he'd, he'd, he'd sometimes sit there and he, because he had such an impish kind of childlike face, he'd, he'd say, I know, he said, I don't blame you for laughing. He said, sometimes I look at this stuff and I can't help thinking myself, he said, but your, my, my clothes may be funny, but they're making me the money. I thought I was trying to adapt it for this programme. My show may be funny, but it's making me the money. It didn't quite sound as impressive as as when Liberace did it. So uh, don't give to chuggers. Okay, simple as that. Don't even give your phone number. That's what happened, you know, to got this other people. She gave her phone number over. She thought, you know, what what can they do with a phone number? They sell them. They sell them. So don't give your phone numbers to people on the streets. It's not good. It's not good. You don't want to be hounded. If you want to give to charity, then you, you write to the charity. You give them the money. Oh, sorry. You give them the money. You don't need to sort of do that. Stephen Milne says we should all find our inner lesbian. It's now become my favourite word of the programme, actually. I've now decided. I think it's just absolutely hilarious. We should be Because every time we open up the newspapers, there's either... At the moment, we seem to be going transgender or lesbian. It seems to be absolutely everywhere. And, and I'm beginning to feel a bit left out. So I feel I should join a group somewhere so I, I can be in on this. And as far as I know, we've never ever had a... I tell you what, we did have a transgender reporter at LBC some years ago. He could even be listening to this programme now. And we didn't know that he was cross dressing. We had no idea in, until the police phoned us one night on an overnight shift to say, um, Do you have a reporter called and said the name? We said yes. He said, Does he wear women's clothing? <laughs> we said, We have no idea. No idea. Because we didn't know at the time. Nobody particularly bothered. Nobody worried about things like that, even all those years ago. It's only now people seem to be worried about it, and uh, so consequently, then we realised exactly, you know, what was what was going on. And in fact, I saw him about probably three or four years ago, dressed as a woman. And you just take it for granted, don't you? I don't, I don't even think about it now. I know a lot of people who are who are transgender. I just prefer, prefer to call them sex changes. I've always called them sex changes. I've never called transgender. Is that it? Has got to be politically correct now? You probably find that lesbian's a banned word. But every time you read, you know, there was a, a couple, weren't there, one in Emmerdale or something and her girlfriend, and they want to tell you, why do they want to tell you about it? I mean, Steve and I ask myself and ask you as well. I mean, would you do an interview in, in a magazine, you know, talking about, you know, the people you've been out with and this? Why would you bother? Got nothing to do with anybody else, goodness sake. But uh, I hope you do find your inner lesbian every time i turn on the television there's Stephen milne doing something and then i checked on his on his twitter page there he was filming something the other day on a red carpet i'm assuming you were filming on a red carpet i don't know seem to be working more than i am at the moment apparently in jamaica the cyclists play road tax says les oh right ant the painter says absolutely love lesbians well there you go and um have you ordered says martin your apple watch N- no no and i'll tell you for why it's because they're going to be out of date very shortly, aren't they? Because there'll be the updating. There's a new uh, phone coming out, isn't there? is not its it the iPhone 7? It's coming out. i mean, just got used to the 6. But, of course, I might have to have that. But the watch, I didn't think I needed. In fact, I, I really didn't think. I did wrestle with my conscience. And a friend of mine's got one. And uh, the moment they, they said Prince Andrew had one, I decided I didn't want one. I decided I didn't want to go down that route at all. And I don't need it. I think people think you just have the watch on, but no, you need your phone with you as well, because they work in tandem. And it was then I thought, it's very clever technology, don't, don't get me wrong, I love the technology. I love the idea that Vax have brought out a cordless vacuum. I like that idea. I see, see these adverts on the telecast, I, mm, I don't know. I've got a Henry at the moment, and, uh, and a couple of Dysons, and, and a GTech. <laughs> I've got a bit of an obsession with vacuum cleaners. It's, it's not healthy, and I feel embarrassed telling you that I've probably got about eight of them. Because I see them and I think, oh, that's quite nice. I've got a Black & Decker cordless one, which is chrome, which is, which is quite gorgeous. But having seen the, uh, the Vax the other day, which is cordless, runs for about an hour on a charge, I then started thinking, I think I might need this. I think I might need to get one of these things. If it appears in Costco, I might have to go and buy it. I'm trying, I'm trying to avoid it. There are certain things I have to avoid buying, it's, and, and so I'm just coming down to the, to the basics. But the G-Tech I bought, I've not even taken it out. The box, it's still in the box. I'm, I'm not using it because I use the Henry, which I like. The Henry, I think, is absolutely fantastic. It's so, it's so simple and basic, there's not really much can go on, and I know they use them all over the world. So that's why I absolutely like it. Sally said, is that a Vicar of Dibley-sized puddle? It could be. It could be. I like the uh, Vicar of Dibley size pun. Actually, the reason I mentioned Lenny Henry this morning is because by telling people that he's going to get a knighthood, he's broken protocol. You're supposed to keep it quiet. It's supposed to be kept quiet. Um, They don't normally like people breaking with protocol, but he's accepted it. I bet Dawn French is kicking herself. Kicking herself on that one. Because she she could have been in, in on it. But uh, she's still lovely anyway, and I'm sure he'd be very happy with it. Whether he would put it on his checkbook because people don't use checkbooks nowadays. So where would you use it? Where would you use a knighthood? Can you can you use it anywhere? I don't know. I don't know, ladies and gentlemen. I'm always fascinated by things like that. Would you want one, or would you would you turn it down? And uh, very very happy says Simon. It's his lucky day today, and. Um, He says, it must have been my lucky day because I've woken up and found an email from somebody I've never heard of who says my email address has just won millions in a lottery. I've never heard of, so I'm quite happy. It's great. Well, remember to send the money off. I think it's, uh, it's a few hundred or a thousand to clear the money. A bargain. He said, then... I've got messages from Microsoft that keep coming up on the computer saying they'll let me download the new Windows 10 free. Just before I accepted the offer, I thought I'd better check the difference between Windows 8. And I found out that Windows 10 won't allow you to do anything. You can't play DVDs or music. You have to pay Microsoft to download a DVD player. I avoid anything like that, you know. I I, I don't fall for those sort of things. I keep getting one saying, can you verify your Twitter account? And I know that that's, that's a fake Twitter thing. I got one the other day saying the post office is just about to deliver a parcel. And then i got the thing saying the post office have delivered your parcel. Where it's gone to, I've got no idea. No idea. This is from a magic company that I, uh, I use. Um, if you're a Doctor Who fan, I can't remember what they call you. Is there a name for Doctor Who fans? Do they, they're not... Trekkies are for Star Trek. But I, I can't remember if Doctor Who fans have got a name. Gullible, I thought. But anyway, uh, it could be after you hear this story. Because there is a Doctor Who exhibition. Whovians? Whovians? Is that what they're called? Oh, right. Whovians. Blimey. Whovians. Doctor Who fans are called Whovians, and now we know. Anyway, one of them is uh, Michael Jacobs, who's from Bath, and uh, there is um, an exhibition coming up. Uh, I don't know where it is, but it's the official Doctor Who festival, and the BBC are charging for a family ticket £165 it seems like a lot of money to me. Anyway, people will have to fork out a monstrous 285 pounds for the deluxe family package which gets them front row seats a brochure and a goodie bag. Uh, the event's going to be in London and uh, one man posted I was going to take my two young nephews to see the Tardis but I think I'll pass on the 210 quid. A lot of people say it's very very expensive. I and mean, let's face it, a family day ticket to London Zoo is 68 pounds. This is all sort of made up. It probably won't be the original TARDIS. They'll have some Daleks. I mean, if you, but if you like something, you'll pay for it. And that's what they're relying on. They're relying on the fact that there are enough Huvians out there to actually pay to keep this exhibition going. It's a, it's a three-day thing. Peter Capaldi uh, and the show boss, Stephen Moffat, will meet fans at the three-day event in November at the Excel. There'll be a theatre show. Uh, exhibitions of props. BBC Worldwide said the prices were the best they could offer, but refused to say what proportion was profit. I should imagine most of it. Seeing as they own everything. It's ridiculous, really. But uh, MP Andrew Bridgen agreed with fans. He says it shows the BBC like Doctor Who are from another planet. There you go, and that's the that's his claim to fame now because he thinks it's too I mean I think it's too expensive as well, but there again if you think it's too expensive, don't go. Don't go you know, there's no point in sort of moaning about it, saying, oh, I really want to go, but I'm not going to spend 285 quid. That's like people going to a theme park and they go there and they say, right, it's, you know, 20 quid to go in. But if you want to um, be upgraded and you want to be fast tracked, then it's an extra 20 pounds. And people go, that's, that's better, isn't it, than standing in the hot sunshine for hours on end. Pay to be fast-tracked. You can do it in Disney. You've been able to do that for ages. And if you've got the money, do it. If you don't have the money to go to the Doctor Who exhibition and sit in the front row and get your free goodie bag and a brochure and uh, and a chance to see things up close for the extra 100 quid or whatever it is, well, then don't go. It's as simple as that. Everybody has the option not to go. It's like a television programme. I don't want my licence fee to be spent on that. Well, don't watch it. If you don't like something, don't listen to it. We've often said, haven't we, Christo's always made such a big deal about people who don't like his radio programme still insist on listening every day. <laughs> I said, yeah, but everybody gets that. You know, because they are people generally unemployed and they're a bit lonely and they don't have anything else to do. It's either that or they have to stare out the window suddenly realising that their whole life is totally a waste of space. Uh, there is a woman in the paper today uh, called Rebecca Minnock. Rebecca Minnock has gone on the run with her son Ethan after a custody row. Uh, the QC... Stephen Wildblood has warned relatives of the 35-year-old that you'll face perjury charges if you're found to be shielding her. It's as simple as that. The judge ordered her ex-partner, Roger Williams, should have full custody of their son. There's obviously some some reason for it. And uh, any assistance by the press in finding out uh, where he is will be gratefully received. It's important to work together to find the child. I mean, it's very odd, isn't it, that if a mother has had a child taken away, there's got to be some reason for it. And so the father's been given full custody, but she's obviously gone into hiding, and it'll either be with friends or with relatives, because otherwise somebody's going to find her, and uh, and they will they will then take the, the child off. I mean, it's a, it's a dreadful wrench, but there's obviously some reason why they're not allowing the child to be with her. Uh, the judge spoke at a court hearing involving Rebecca's brother Marvin Shaw, sister Limmy Shaw, yes, somebody really is called Limmy, And Mother Louise Minnock, the trio, arrested on Sunday, accused of withholding information. The judge said, I have suspicions you know more. He says the inquiries go on and Ethan will be found. So the longer it lasts, the worse it gets for everyone. If there's any untruthfulness, it's perjury. The stakes are high. Uh, Of course, they would know. You know, you don't have somebody disappearing, do you? Late again. And uh, so, you know, to be honest with you... Best that the family come clean and honest, because if that uh, boy has been taken away from mother, there's got to be a very, very good reason for it. Thirteen to five. <laughs> Morning, everybody. Ten to five is the time. It's Wednesday, the tenth of June. So the horrendous amount of money—some of you will be saying—for Anton Deck, eight million pounds. In fact, it's eight point four million between them. So four point two million pounds each, and I think that's fantastic value. I know you might not agree with me because it's an awful lot of money, but when you think that they are hosting Saturday Night Takeaway, Britain's Got Talent, uh, and I'm a Celebrity, Get Me Out of Here, that's three top-rated programmes. And for three top-rated programmes, that's, that's fairly cheap. If it's only £4 million each, that means for a, for a series, you know, when you take away the Agents Commission and everything else, it probably doesn't look as exciting, uh, they're also said to have £10 million worth of property between them. with both owning homes in West London. In fact, they live nearly next door to each other, I think. And they made another £15 million by selling the rights to Saturday Night Takeaway. But in fact, when you think about it, it's a short-lived life television. The idea is you make as much money as possible and then you could sit back and retire. And they're both young. They're both 39. They could do what they want. But when you have hit programmes... I mean, if that's what they're worth, imagine what you think Philip Schofield's on for all the programmes he fronts. I mean, I'm I'm assuming he's not far off them. I'm assuming he's not far, and he's on the television every single day, sometimes twice. So, uh, a TV source says, "For the big cheese at the top of ITV, they're worth every single penny." I I agree. When they were on Biker Grove, they were on a hundred quid a day, which actually is not bad money when you consider that now consider nowadays the cast of Towie. Uh, Even the illiterate, stupid ones only get 150 quid a day. But then that's why they have to sort of come up with something to do outside of that. So they all pretend they're fashion designers or they've got their own makeup rate. They just endorse things. They get a little bit of money and they endorse something and that's it. When they're off the programme, nobody would be interested in them at all. You know, they're all laughing to talk about their new collection. It's just somebody's going, would you like to put your name to it? We give you a thousand quid or something. And that's what they have to do. They don't actually have any money. As such, even though they tell you, unless you go into your own salon and something like that, you know, unless I suppose Amy Childs, they're always overhyping her money. But the papers like overhyping people's salaries, don't they? They like saying, oh, people are worth this. People are worth that. And, you know, and this is what Jordan's worth. She's worth nothing like that. She's never earned that sort of money. She's only been a topless model. There's nothing, nothing particularly well paid about that, believe you me, just to bring out her own calendar. That's how desperately sad it is. And she's so airbrushed on it that uh, she's uh, unrecognisable from the, uh, from the creature that you see wandering around. Uh, 84850, steve at lbc.co.uk. Uh, Les says, I won the postcode lottery three times. £10 each time, not very happy. Well, I always used to think, well, I'd never do the postcode lottery. That's the one run by, um, or is that the NHS? I can't remember which one is run by Richard Desmond. Because it must be a licence to to make money, like these roulette programmes on the television that Stephen Milne fronts and a load of other people. You know, uh, the, uh, the, the they must generate millions. People like gambling, don't they? I saw one this morning which was uh, a fruit machine thing. I think you join Jackpot 24-7 and you can play all their fruit machines. I'm thinking, you're playing a machine and it's on the computer. I mean, two things that to me ring alarm bells. I wouldn't, I wouldn't you know, and they go, oh, congratulations, you won... 30 pence. And you go, whoopee, you've won 30 pence. So I, I would never bother with anything like that. I'm dubious about fruit machines anyway, especially if it looks like a computer. <laughs> it's just, it's really hilarious. Really hilar- hilarious. Uh, Magaloof, I'm afraid, not uh, not so good. The bingers and the nurse, Hannah McDonald, who just wants to get um, very, very drunk. its uh, It's an opportunity for a lot of Badly dressed men with their shirts off to behave even more badly. The old, the lame, they bring them all out. And uh, the girls sit in the streets, they're so drunk and then they just be sick everywhere. It's a, it's a bit pathetic, but I think it's, uh, it's a northerners' holiday. I don't think you get people from London going there. Certainly not. Not our sort of place at all. Uh, Lord Janna could still be charged with child sex offences after police in Scotland have launched this new investigation. This is uh, an alleged victim who reportedly made a complaint in person to the police in Edinburgh in 1991, claiming the peer, now 86, took him over the border and sexually assaulted him. Uh, The Crown Office, Scotland's prosecuting authority, said it had never been told about the case, but they found the actual allegations. So they're now going to start asking questions. Now, whether or not he can be tried in Scotland, I don't know. I mean, you would think, as somebody, I think uh, one MP made a very pertinent point about Lord Janner, And said that, you know, if he really wants to clear his name, depending on how far advanced you think his dementia is, um, then surely he'd want to go into court to clear it all up. As opposed to the family just saying, and they have done all the way through, listen, he's completely innocent of all these charges. There certainly seem to be enough of them. And so you, you would have thought he would have wanted his day in court... If, if he's aware of it. I, as I say, I don't know because I don't know what people they got to say that his dementia was so far advanced. He didn't know anything about it. Apparently, he's, he's pushed over. I think his money has been transferred to the children. And I think what was the other thing as well? Oh, yes, he's voting in the House of Lords. He's given that to the children as well so they can vote on his behalf because he's got dementia. We were discussing the other day, I was sort of wandering home with a friend of mine, and we were talking about, you know, people who leave money to charity when they die. And I said, the one disappointment in my life was that I thought that Tony Benn would have left a stack of his money to charity... Nothing. Nothing at all. Old Tony Ben, the old champagne socialist, he divided it all up among the children. And so the charity... I was really quite surprised. I thought he would have given so much money to, uh, to Labour charities, but not a bit of it. Only goes to prove you can't, you can't really read some people, can you? You can't read them. And then I got quite worried when I discovered that, um, that Anne Kirk Bride from Coronation Street only, only left a £103,000 and i thought but surely she was earning more than that in a year do they t- they 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 do take into consideration people's property don't they that's what i thought so in, in other words so she didn't even have a very very expensive property and she didn't have any money either which did, i mean because she was a you know a top top actress top actress on uh, on coronation street i would have thought she'd be earning 150 grand a year definitely definitely and um and I just don't quite understand where her money went. Unless she, very cannily, when she knew that she was uh, she was dying, started distributing it. That, I don't know. We'll probably never know the answer to that unless you get a copy of the will, and I shouldn't imagine... It. Well, that would be lodged somewhere, wouldn't it, really? And um, so that that was a little bit of a disappointment. Um, the other store, a story was a man who was uh, allegedly tortured into confessing to a, a murder when still a child. has been given a last-minute reprieve from the gallows. Yesterday was the fourth time in six months that uh, Pakistani Shafat Hussain had been due to be hanged. But with just hours to spare and following global pressure, the country's Supreme Court decided to hear an appeal against an earlier decision rejecting the inquiry into the case. Lawyers say Hussain was 14 in 2004 when he was burnt with cigarettes and had his nails removed until he admitted killing a child. The latest suspension may last only 24 hours, so, I mean, he might hang as yet. Captain... Was it Captain? Blood. Captain Kidd... Captain Kidd was hanged uh, as uh, as a pirate down in Execution Dock in London. They used to have uh, executions, and they were public executions, and so people would line the banks of the Thames. People would... Uh, they'd be given advance notice, and boats would be uh, bobbing around on the Thames with sightseers. who would be drinking, waiting to watch the hangings. And the person... It was generally pirates at Execution Dock, obviously not a deterrent at all. And so uh, they would bring them out from, from the prison and uh, they would then go for the drop. And then after they'd done the drop, and it was, it was what they call a short drop. So, in other words, they didn't die straight away because I think when you're hanged, if memory serves me, it's one of your vertebrae that snaps and therefore that, sort of, that kills you. On this one, the drop was short so that they dangled and so they weren't actually dead. They would, they would slowly die. And that's what people wanted to watch and so their legs would thrash around and all sorts of things like that. Years and years ago, people would hang on to people's legs to hasten their end as quickly as possible. But in execution dock, there was no such chance of doing that, so people did start thrashing around a little bit as they slowly died. And then, I think in Captain Kidd's case, his body was left there for three years. They just left it there, and it was, it was supposed to be a deterrent, but it never was a deterrent because they were constantly executing people. But we were quite violent in those days, so whatever we think about other countries now, you have to think back to the fact that we were doing public executions and beheadings and all sorts of ghastly things, and you don't even want to know about the, uh, the disembowelings which went on while they were alive. I mean, it was obviously, I mean, perhaps perhaps we were just a bit more bloodthirsty. Nowadays, we've got Midsummer Murders, where it's a little bit more sophisticated, I think. 84850, steve at lbc.co.uk. And um, we're going to take a, a short break for the, for the news, just to, uh, just to bring you up to date with uh, all the current stories. Stephen says, uh, as I always say with roulette and fruit machines, please play responsibly please play responsibly and I think that kind of covers it for everybody, so according to the papers today migrants can slap children if it's part of their culture, I asked the question earlier on, what what culture is it that slaps children. Mind well, you, never did us any harm, did it? Forget the tea party. Chimpanzees don't don't do tea. No, they want booze. They want booze, alcohol. The nail varnish that every woman will desire. On the run, the mother told to hand her son over to her ex-partner. The Midland Bank could be heading back to the high street. The BBC acts Inverdale as Wimbledon host. It's gone to Claire Balding. They've obviously decided they've had enough of him. It's a shame, isn't it? The pensioner punched in the head for watering his plants incorrectly, and a mum seeking 80 grand because her son went off to be a jihadi warrior. You couldn't make it up, could you? It's LBC. This is LBC,
0: leading Britain's conversation with Steve Allen. Tweet at LBC. Text 84850, Steve Allen
1: on LBC Morning everybody, I was looking at the images of that uh, policeman who wrestled a black teenage girl to the ground at a pool party, who's uh, done the honourable thing and resigned, I don't know what was going on there, but it looked, uh, looked quite horrendous so migrants can slap children and it's part of their culture, that's what a judge has said this is because uh, one particular uh, challenge came from an Indian accused of beating his wife and seven year old son in her ruling, the judge said, I do not believe there was a punitively harsh treatment of the boy, the kind that would merit the term physical abuse. So apparently, if it's part of your culture, it's OK to do it. And who's the perfect little gent who charmed Her Majesty at the races? Uh, women who ditch clothes they have worn just seven times. I knew you were wasteful. I knew you were wasteful. That's why people buy lots of clothes. Women buy far more clothes than men, don't they? Far more clothes than men. Has the X Factor poached Rita... Do you really care? No, I didn't care either. I couldn't care less who's actually on the panel. Really, I mean, to be honest with you, they sort of say, oh, so-and-so's going to be on it, like it makes a difference to the programme. Why would they make a difference? You can tell when it's all gone pear-shaped for a show when they're concentrating on the panel more than on the people taking part in it. So that's when it all goes wholly wrong. Could the Midland Bank be set for a return? HSBC are going to be rebranded. And people have suggested that it could be the Midland, the name which resurfaces on the high street, the Midland. So I remember it was Midland. I remember oh, I was part of William & Glynn's years ago. Shows how long ago that was, which of course is Royal Bank of Scotland. But William & Glynn's another old bank, because Royal Bank of Scotland own Coots, Childs, Drummonds, quite a number of those old family banks which are around and they and they are old family banks and it's a bit of an old fashioned banking thing. You go into a modern high street bank on the on the high street, there's no there's no personality in there, is there at all? It isn't until you go into somewhere like Drummond's in Trafalgar Square that you realise what an old fashioned bank really is. You know, you go into into some branches and they're sort of protected by all this wall of plate glass and everything else. And there's just there's nothing and there probably isn't even a manager there. Uh, The mystery of the gnome invasion we'll tell you about a little bit later on. The gnome invasion is the lady who woke up in the morning to discover over a 100 gnomes in in her front garden. My favourite story was years ago when uh, uh, this lady had her gnome pinched from a front garden in the days when people bought garden gnomes. We used to have somebody working for LBC in the advertising department. Uh, in what we call commercial production. And he used to make garden gnomes and paint them. He had a little mould, and he'd make them out of concrete, and then people would ask him to paint them in different colours. Seriously. And uh, and I did go round Barbara Windsor's house once. Many years ago, she did have garden gnomes, and she said, they're not mine, she said, Stevie, I'm looking after them for somebody. <laughs> I believed her. I always believe people when they tell me things. But this, this lady had a garden gnome pinched. And there was nothing to matter with that, except to add insult to injury... Somebody was taking it round the world, and everywhere it went, it sent postcards back. So there'd be a postcard of this gnome standing by the Sydney Opera House. It must have been somebody who was working on a flight, mustn't it? Because they were going to all sorts of places. (laughs) This is the gnome by, you know, the Taj Mahal. This is the gnome. And they'd, they'd taken it everywhere. It was so funny. So funny. And then eventually he returned from his travels and he was placed back in the garden but uh, not till he'd sent about 20 or 30 cards uh, there was a group Angela thank you called Limmy and Family Cooking yes and it was you can do magic da, 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 yeah Limmy and Family Cooking uh, also they had uh, another hit single called Walking Miracle da, 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 da. walking miracle <laughs> i can remember i can remember playing those many many years ago thank you for the thank you for the the brief memory uh, another one here. Oh, this is the, the nail varnish. This is the nail varnish. You love the nail varnish. It's it's the funniest thing ever. The nail varnish is the is self-repairing in a couple of hours. Have you ever heard of this before? Because what a lot of ladies get, and probably men as well, who use nail varnish, you can get a clear nail varnish, is chippings. And it looks terrible. You know, you look at somebody and think, oh, dear, you should have taken it off properly. Anyway, scientists have now created a self-healing compound that can repair any cracks in its surface. But, of course, not just applicable to nails. Oh, no, 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 no. It could be applicable to mobile phone screens, aircraft wings, bicycle helmets. Could be all sorts of things, couldn't it? The material is made by adding tiny bubbles to carbon fibre composites... It's more difficult to say than it is to talk about. Uh, The bubbles are broken by any impact, releasing a liquid healing agent that seeps into the cracks left by the damage. A catalyst then triggers a rapid chemical reaction, causing the agent to harden. This has been developed at Bristol University over the past three years, and they're planning to take it to the market in the very near future. What a brilliant idea. I love people who sort of very, very cleverly come up with all these different inventions and you think, it's so amazing, isn't it? People can come up with something like that. Every year there's something else that is invented. And I always think, my God, what sort of mind must you have to actually uh, to actually come up with these things? And who would have thought about it? Who would have thought about it? Uh, the illustrator of uh, Russell Brand's children's book was unveiled as the ninth children's laureate, Chris Riddell it's also the political cartoonist for the left-wing newspaper the observer will spend 2 years in the post which comes with a 15 grand bursary not a lot is it not a lot uh, why have the bbc ax john inverdale i have no idea no idea i'm in the in the dark as much as anybody else apparently uh, his much coveted position presenting the nightly highlights show on bbc 2 has been handed to claire balding who also replaced him last year as the presenter for Five Lives coverage after he was taken off the air for making sexist remarks. So, in other words, they sort of take him off and put Claire Balding in. She must be doing about 500 programmes at the moment. And so while he will still be a part of the commentating team, his much diminished role appears to be a further fall from grace for the, uh, the, 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 the decline began... During the 2013 tournament, when he said of the women's champion, Marion Bartoli, I just wonder if her dad did say to her when she was 12, 13 or 14, maybe, listen, you're never going to be, you know, a looker. And that was enough for the BBC to get... Well, can't have people saying that about people. It's a shame, really, isn't it? Because they've got loads of people who are unattractive at the BBC. I might name names later on. But, um he says he said you're never going to be somebody like uh, Maria Sharapova. You're never going to be 5 foot 11 with long legs. You're going to have to compensate for that. You're going to have to go, you know, and be a more dogged, determined fighter. And she kind of is. So he obviously did some good, didn't it? Really. Uh, anyway, at, at the time he was kept on to present his highlight show today at Wimbledon. That's now going to be replaced with uh, with Claire's new program, Wimbledon 2, the number 2 day. So there you go. Very interesting. But uh, she seems to be following him about everywhere. Uh, a BBC spokesman said John Inverdale will take up a new role at TV commentary duties at this year's championships and we're looking forward to having him as part of the team. The introduction of Wimbledon today presented by Clare will provide a fresh new look for the highlight show. No, it's just the highlights presented by Claire Balding. It's not a new look to it at all. It? There isn't any new way of presenting. It's like doing a, uh, an interview programme, isn't it? An interview programme is going to comprise of questions, just the way you phrase them. So it's exactly the same programme. It's just a highlight show. Whether it's Claire Balding doing it uh, or whether it's John Imberdale, it's still a highlight show, and that's it. Boris Becker says he has a longing to become a British citizen, but will still support his home country in the football. The three times Wimbledon winner is already applying for citizenship for his son Amodeus. He said in his latest autobiography, Wimbledon, my life and career at the All England Club, that he wants to ensure his family who live in Wimbledon can always call England home. It's nice, isn't it? You can also make a lot of money if you live in Wimbledon by renting your place out, can't you? That's the way it is. Simon uh, Danzook says if the case against Lord Janner is still not heard in court, British justice is rotten to the core. And... Uh, the US TV host who asked Nicola Sturgeon, who do you think you are, Saddam? Because she said, you know, I'm, I'm not a comedian, I'm a politician. Which got a huge round of applause. And funnily enough, Ephraim Hardcastle has picked up on the, the advert which I mentioned the other day, with Sir Trevor McDonut, who turned up on the television at the age of 75, who was paid, I think, a five-figure fee for an elaborate one minute and ten second TV advertisement. Shown on Channel 4, it's for, a, it's for an optician's. And it's like a a tribute to his broadcasting career. It's, I'm Trevor MacDonald, and I've been here, and I've been there, and I've been here, and and that's it. And at the end, I began thinking, good Lord, I wonder what this is an advert for. And then they tell you. It's for an optician. And that's it. But uh, it ends with a close-up of Sir Trevor's startlingly blue irises. And the sales pitch, look after your eyes, and your vision will last a lifetime. Good, isn't it, really? I quite like that. I mean, people do do sell out, don't they? You'd be daft if somebody comes to you. And says, listen, we're going to give you 250000 We're going to make this advert. And all you've got to do is just do a, a little bit to camera. You don't even need to say anything. We'll just do the voiceover for you. And you can do the voiceover in a studio. And we'll put these images together. And he goes, that's fine. And they go, right, we've already done that bit. Now all you've got to do is voice it. And he goes, fantastic. That's it. Um, the bluebell is our favourite flower. It's like the other day. I saw this bird sitting down in Regent's Park. I said to friend, what's that? And he said, it's a sparrow I said a sparrow. They've changed a lot since the early days of sparrows. This one was quite a lean, mean machine. Whereas I remember sparrows as being little fat things. And, uh, and you don't see them in London. I don't know where, where they went to. I don't know how all of a sudden we, we either fell out of love or the sparrows disappeared. Because you just don't see sparrows. Not in, not in the flocks which you used to see ages and ages ago um ta-ta. claire says read the hitting trial it's either against the law or it's not we can't have a them and us situation well that's what we appear to have to to have to do now uh, will says tony ben may have known more than we do about charity donations to have trusted his money to them yes possibly i don't know <laughs> you might have found he had great insight into something like that actually having read about the dreadful Uh, things that the charities get up to because i was pointed out to you before it's a business they're in the business of making money for the charity i can't wait for jurassic park i've seen all the clips and i want another one as well i think it's a biblical epic and and that looks great fun it looks like somebody's parting the waters of the dead sea or whatever it is they were doing and i thought can't wait to see this one either because now with all the the cgi's and everything else and the green screen and the blue screens you can do anything but the jurassic park looks fantastic I might actually have to go and sit in a cinema and watch it. And I thought, I can't be... I fall asleep in cinemas. The moment the lights go down, you sit back in your chair, you've eaten your hot dog, you've got your popcorn, and then you just nod off. It's the best way to go, isn't it, really? Quarter past five. (laughs) Nick Ferrari this morning at breakfast, with each of the big four cutting in the region of 50,000 jobs globally, is it now time to stop bashing the bankers? And as Conservative MP Zach Goldsmith says he'll stand for election as the Mayor of London if his constituents support it, we visit Richmond to find out what they think. Huge majority, I think, in Richmond. Huge. And how likely is it that the Tower Hamlets mayoral election on Thursday will be clean? That's Nick Ferrari tomorrow. Uh, sorry, today. Well, and tomorrow as well. After the morning news with Lisa Raziz at seven. He can be on every day if he likes. I don't mind. Rupert Myers, political correspondent for British GQ and Telegraph blogger, will be looking at the papers today. Somebody's pointed out quite pertinently, I think, that according to the Mail today, Anne Kirkbride was earning £270,000 a year. Which is very good, actually. I mean, and yet she only left a hundred and something thousand. I mean, how? In, what did she spend it on? I mean, really? 200. I mean, it's just, you know, it wasn't like she was sort of out, uh, you know, spending and partying every night or or jewellery or stuff like that. I mean, what earth can she spend it on? I mean, I suppose, you know, if you earn that much money. But she left so little. That's that's what was surprising. I would have expected her to leave at least 500,000 pounds, at least that would be a property and that would be, you know, some money in the bank. I mean, it didn't really seem like a lot of money, did it, for somebody who'd been at the top of her game for ages and ages and ages? Plenty of robins around, says Mary. I have noticed lean sparrows. They look like a different, they look like super sparrow, don't they? They don't look at, Years ago, sparrows were little, little tiny things and a little bit tubby. Now we've got robins all over the place. Robins are very solitary. But I, I downloaded an app, I think it's from the RSPB, and it's got all the different birds in this country. And if you push a, a different part of the app, it plays their bird song. And I remember being in a garden centre up the road from me, and there was a robin in there. So I played, I played the, the robin thing, and it sat with its head on one side listening the God knows what mine was saying. I've got no idea. I just, I just sort of pushed it so I could hear what a robin sounded like. All these different bird, uh, bird calls. But they, they're, they're definitely everywhere. I still get excited. You see a robin because you automatically assume, don't you, that you're only ever going to see them at Christmas because you're only going to notice a robin when it's white with snow outside because of its red breast. But in fact, I see them all over the place. You don't see baby robins, though, do you? Unless they sort of baby robins come into the world at the same size as adult robins. I merely mentioned this this morning because it's Wednesday and I wasn't I wasn't uh, worried about it anymore. Well, I should be worried. And um, somebody says somebody said to me the reason we don't see sparrows anymore is because of the cleaner air in London now that other birds have come into London, such as crows and magpies. Oh, a disaster! The other day, ladies and gentlemen, a disaster on Sunday morning. I never forgot to mention it. In between driving down to Regent's Park for the. Uh, for the for the morning walk which practically kills me every week but it's it's I put it down as part of my exercise I can't go to gyms I really can't go to gyms. I, f- I feel, you know, there are people in this building who go to gyms on a regular bed. I don't know how they've got the strength to do it. If there was a gym in this building, you know, if they found some rooms that they could put to one side and you could you could go and work out there. But if, if you've got to go anywhere for it, it absolutely fills me with dread. So I can't do gyms. And so we go for a walk around Regent's Park Sunday morning, which is very nice. It's about two and a half miles all the way around. We don't do it running or anything like that. It's just a leisurely stroll which probably isn't much good anyway, So, but at least we're doing something. And and I got out of the car, and what had happened, a, a seagull had obviously been flying over and decided that mine looked like the nearest thing to a toilet. And the whole boot of the car was absolutely covered. And, of course, me, because it's very bad for paintwork, I'm out there with bottles of water, and luckily I've got clots in the car, I'm cleaning it all up. A friend of mine's going, are we going for this walk? Listen, I'm not leaving it on the car. I made him go out to Tesco and get more water for me, so I could pour it over there. <laughs> Ridiculous, isn't it? Really, I mean, you do—you you have to worry about these sort of things now. Oh dear, Dave says I've got house martins in my loft. You see, I think that's okay. I think that's okay to have uh, to have house martins. I really do. I think that's fine. I, I, what you don't want in the loft are squirrels. Crikey, I mean, you really don't want squirrels. They'll—they'll they'll rip the place apart. Could be an absolute dreadful. I see that Zara Phillips. Now that uh, she's the one who's married to Mike Tyndall, who's been in two reality shows already. He's not done very well. Uh, they also, she, she's uh, sold her, her pictures of their daughter, Mia, to Hello! magazine. And now she's brought out, honestly, it's, it's money, isn't it? It's funny when you think that she's having to do it and her, her mum is the Queen's daughter, Princess Anne. And yet over on the Prince Andrew side, they tend not to do anything at all. At least she's making some sort of effort. I don't like her. And I didn't like Mike Tyndall because he he was sort of terribly competitive, but it actually just wasn't likable. So I didn't really care about him too much. But she's she's brought all these different things out. But I think she's the um she caught a controversy last year by becoming the first royal to sign a deal with an online gaming firm. Uh Zara lent her name to a video game Hausra. I think, in which players own train and race a virtual horse. And then she sold pictures to OK. I mean, I suppose that's their own... Perhaps I should imagine Princess Anne's quite mean, isn't she? Can't imagine her handing out any money any time soon. Whereas Prince Andrew's daughters, I mean, just seem like a total waste of space. Ridiculous. I think I'm right in saying, says Teresa Anna Copebride owned a property in Spain. Yes. Uh, she did. She went down... Uh, is it Spain or was it Portugal? It was one of the two. Actually, I watched, talking of Spain, and if you want value for money, there are two places in the world at the moment where value for money is key to buying property, if you want to go out there. Florida is dirt cheap. Seriously, if you get a house for repossession, which means it's owned by the bank, it's cheap. However, not half as cheap as Spain. They were. There was a couple the other day, and they were looking for a property, and they go out, and they're on this beautiful plot on the side of a hill, which is... It's it was enormous. I mean, seriously, I looked at this place. And I'm like, God, that's huge, absolutely huge. And um, and then on down on the on the, the, the next level down, an enormous swimming pool, which of course is the big seller. Because if you have a house in Spain and you've spent anything over forty grand, you're expecting a pool, like in Florida. You fly over Florida, everybody's got pools. Everybody, you know, every single per blocks of flats, pools, houses, pools. You know, even people who are by the water have got pools. Everybody's got pools over there, and that would encourage you to do swimming. Cause somebody said to me the other day, Why don't you go swimming? I went, I can't go swimming. I don't want to take my clothes off in front of strange people. You know, it's my body. My body's a bit of a temple. I'm just a bit too embarrassed about it. But if I had a house with a pool in, I would probably swim. Not if it was cold, though. I can't get into cold pools. I'm a bit funny like that. It would have to be a heated pool. In which case, but they were look, show- showing this couple around this house, and there was room for a pony and everything. And what was it on for? Under a hundred and forty thousand pounds, inspect. This place was enormous. It was like six double bedrooms. It was abs. Oh my God! I'm going to be sick. There's a man suspended, on the television on Sky, by one hand. It's this man who climbs buildings, and he's clinging on with one hand. Oh, God! I hate people who do this. It's one of these. He he was he was on the Wembley Arch. Well, in fact, he was just hanging on by one hand. How do, perhaps these people who do this... You know the bloke who... Climb, look, here. But you can see he has a wire attached behind him. So that's a, that I don't feel so bad about. But do these people not have any fear of heights? I feel ill... Seriously, it makes me ill-watching something like that. And he's he's gone to the top of Wembley and they've got pictures in all the papers of doing it today. But I've seen a bloke who literally climbs... Look, he's, doing, he's walking out. But you can see he's got a wire attached to him. But even if I fell off, I'd be so worried that the wire would snap... I just couldn't do it. I mean, oh well. there's not a wire strong enough. That's what you worry about. They go, it could hold an elephant. I go, yeah, but this will be the day that it, it that the wire goes. I don't want to hold an elephant, <laughs> and you just plummet. And he stands there. I mean, all right, he's got the wire on. But when you saw him a short while ago clinging on with one hand, there's a bloke who climbs. He's a Frenchman. The outside of buildings with his bare hands. I mean, that's enough to just make me sit there and cringe. Certain things that make me cringe on the television. And that would be one of them, ladies and gentlemen. That would be one of them. So the Channel 4 bosses uh, have just given themselves a very nice pay rise. And they're doing very well. Which is a shame, because the, uh, the programmes that they're offering on Channel 4 are not doing very well in the ratings. So you have to think what programmes are on offer. I mean, when you think that uh, it attracted 5.9% of viewers in 2014. That was the lowest share since 1984. My, my, my share of the radio audience is, uh, is a lot, lot more than that. And their boss, David Abraham, received 855,000. That's the equivalent of 16,000 a week after taking the maximum possible bonus. And uh, it's quite amazing, actually. Uh, Jay Hunt... Chief Creative uh, Officer, a 17% pay rise, 581000 Uh Jonathan Allen, Channel 4 Sales Director, 483000 It's an awful lot of money when you consider that uh, that a lot of their, their programmes are just not rating. They really aren't. I think the, uh, the Alan Carr Chatty Man quiz that he did uh, was axed after the first series. They always say Channel 4 performed strongest among 16 to 34 year olds who are particularly valuable to advertise that because that's what they want to know they want to know what your what your sort of appeal is you know you don't want people who are too old you want people who've got money and if you've got people who, who've got money then the advertiser is very interested in that so the company have gone back into the black delivered a four million pound profit on surplus as uh, they refer to it on account of the fact that it's technically a publicly owned organisation they think it could be sold off for about a billion. About a billion, and there would be people in the marketplace who'd be very, very interesting, very interested in that. Uh, They paid out nearly five hundred thousand in bonuses, but uh, you know, if you don't have programmes that have got big enough audiences, then it's all falling apart a little bit. All falling apart just a little bit. Do you know that one in three? Oh, just do the news. But one in three violent crimes go unrecorded. Is that amazing? Talk more about that in uh, a moment. It's five thirty. Steve Allen on LBC morning, everybody. 28 minutes to six, in case you're uh, clock-watching or you're, you're debating whether to throw yourself into the shower quickly or whether to just have the old strip wash. Uh, John bought some diabetic socks the other day uh, from Lidl. You don't need to wear diabetic socks. There's no advantage to wearing... What are diabetic socks, for goodness sake? I've never heard... So. I mean, I've seen them advertised in... Um, in uh, the Diabetes UK magazine, but, I mean, I just wear normal socks. You don't need to wear diabetic socks. Somebody, somebody got quite worried the other day that I was using this electronic machine, battery-operated, to, uh, to make sure that my feet look absolutely perfect and wonderful. And he said, oh, you could cut yourself with it. I don't think so. I don't think it would be at all possible to cut yourself with this. It's just a little roller that turns round, and it's the same as... Um, A sort of you know using a pumice stone or anything like that it's just it's a lot quicker it's a lot easier and this new one i bought is actually quite quite brilliant so i would recommend that for any diabetics who have to spend a lot of time looking after their feet or anybody who just wants to look after their feet because we've traditionally got bad feet we don't bother looking after them in this country. We go, oh, it's, we can't see them anyway. What's the point. Who cares about them? Um, still no work for Dermot O'Dreary. I mean, he left the uh, X Factor amid, amid questions within the media of did he go or is he pushed so that they could find somebody else to do it. And that other girl went as well, the Sarah Jane Crawford creature, who I didn't really see the purpose of her at all. She was obviously trying to make a name for herself and it just didn't work. I think people forget on that programme, that we're not interested in the presenters, we're interested in the contestants. Well, some of the contestants, not all of the contestants. And, um, and so that's why, you know, when you get people there and then they start doing photo shoot, you think, no, no, well, you've lost your way with this one completely. And that's where I think Simon got it wrong. I, think, I, I couldn't care less who's on the panel. You could stick zippity doo dar and sooty and sweep on there. It wouldn't make any difference. Probably marginally more entertaining, I would have thought. And, um, and so when they sort of spend a huge amount of money, what was he saying the other day? They were saying a million and a half for Rita Aura. A million, And you think, God, what a dreadful waste of money. What a dreadful waste of money. And uh, somebody says, when you say your body's a temple, is that because it's shaped like the Taj Mahal? No. It's because, you know, people, people go to it quite a lot. <laughs> Kitty and Phil are listening live in Corfu. My God, it must be a boring holiday. You listen to the radio in Corfu... Unless, you, of course, you're having breakfast, which could be croissants, freshly squeezed orange juice and lovely uh, lovely coffee in a cafetiere. That'd be quite nice. Um, the other story that was in the papers today is the, the pensioner who's, in all the papers, punched in the head for watering his baskets the wrong way. Uh, oh, there's a great piece as well. If you want to see Barbara Windsor half-naked, they've got that picture of her with Dr Nuki, played by Jim Dale, and uh, he's talking about his uh, his one-man show. And uh, and very good he is too. My friend Paul's been twice. He says it's really, really, really good, which is which I think is great. So here's the bloke. This is the um, the nasty pensioner is David Ray, and I can tell you that this is in Bournemouth, uh, sheltered housing in Bournemouth. A lot of lot of people who retire go down to Bournemouth, and uh, David Ray, who's 68, punched his 86 year old neighbour to the ground for watering baskets. With a hosepipe. David Ray had repeatedly annoyed neighbours with his unwanted gardening advice, once even receiving a letter telling him, You're not Alan Titchmarsh. He's obviously a nasty thug, even at the age of 68. So when his store saw Stanley Smith using a hosepipe rather than a sprinkler nozzle to water flowers in their communal garden, he was so incensed he punched him in the head. Well, this man should have been thrown in prison immediately. He's a nasty little piece of work, isn't he, David Ray? The blow knocked Mr. Smith against a lamp post and a bench before he hit the floor. He's 86. And this week, David Ray was found guilty of assault outside the sheltered housing block in Bournemouth. Mr. Smith, who has two metal knee replacements and walks with a stick, was left with cuts and bruises and spent five days in hospital. The Bournemouth Magistrates' Court heard how the assault came after a series of falling-outs between Ray and his neighbours over the gardening at Fenwick Court. Residents there objected to David Ray telling them how to do things around the garden. One of Ray's neighbours sent him a letter saying he had an attitude problem and telling him to take his negativity somewhere else. They added, ''You are not Alan Titchmarsh of Fenwick Court.'' And then in June last year, David Ray attacked Mr Smith when he found him watering hanging baskets he'd sold to another neighbour who was then on holiday. He kept Mr Smith said he came rushing at me, shaking his fists and suddenly punched me in the head, knocking me to the ground. He said he came out two nights before the incident and had a go at me, but he just didn't say, don't do that. He didn't say what I was doing wrong. I was using a hosepipe, but I didn't know you're not supposed to do that. Then two nights later, I was watering them and just came flying again. I don't actually know why you couldn't use a hosepipe. Of course you can use a hosepipe on a hang whatever you like. Anyway, quite clearly, David Ray needs taking to one side and pelting with rotten fruit. Ray said he'd given his neighbour a gentle push with my fist. Yes, of course. But uh, anyway, uh, Mr Smith has lived at Fenwick Court for, uh, it's a housing complex, for eight years. He said all we wanted was for him to be found guilty. And uh, he's been found guilty. Which is good, actually, which is very good. I mean, he said all he, had, all he got was an 18-month conditional discharge, told to pay £100 compensation and £400 court costs. He claimed he'd acted in self-defence when Mr Smith hit him on the hand with the hosepipe. No, David Ray, you're a nasty little piece of work. You've got your just desserts. And I hope that next time Mr Smith sees you outside, he drenches you with his hose. That would make everybody very happy indeed. What a horrible piece of work, honestly. What difference does it make how you water your baskets? I mean, I've got a, one of those expanding hoses, which just in case you're asking, yes, it works fine. Thank you very much indeed. And uh, it does go from very small to very big. You can go from outside the, the kitchen window, where it, where it goes into, uh, all the way to the other side of the patio. So I think it's a I think it's a hundred foot hose, but it condenses down really, really small. If you buy them from markets, I've noticed there are lots of copycat hoses out there, and uh, therein lies problems. People have uh, bought them before, and they don't seem to be as they don't seem to be as good as uh, as the the genuine thing. As in lots of different cases, you know, some are blue, some are orange, and uh, it, I mean it doesn't really matter, but just make sure you get a decent one. <coughs> and I don't think you'd be disappointed with it, because I used to spend for ages trying to untangle hoses and then trace it back down the line, and it used to get twisted, and they were all fairly hard, and then you'd have to cut them off, and then they'd do all different bits and pieces. So I was quite glad to find a hose that didn't uh, didn't actually sort of have any any problems to it. Uh, King Solomon says, uh, I forgot to say, says Steve, he had over seven hundred wives and many other women, including the Queen of Sheba. I mean, that's over a thousand. I think we will learn from Solomon. He had something better than magic. Yes, obviously it's had something. It's the appeal, isn't it? It's the appeal of uh of people who've got um got an awful lot of money, and they have appeal. Uh last week I was in Selfridge's bedding department, says Phil, looking for a new duvet. I found one uh which was priced at two hundred and fifty pounds. Wow, that's expensive, I said to the sales assistant. What's it made of? Duck down, sir, said the assistant, so I did. And banged my head on the cash register. Actually that's nothing Nick Ferrari was telling us about years ago. I remember him telling us about the um the duvet he'd bought. I think his was Siberian Goose. And I think it was over three hundred pounds. And I bought one as well, and it's sort of it's a very light duvet. And I think it's about the best one that, that um that the John Lewis partnership do because you can get some really cheap duvets and you get some very very expensive and i thought siberian siberian goose sounded a bit exciting i've never opened it to find out what it looks like inside i've just sort of i've just used it for a few years uh 84850 steve at lbc.co.uk uh, on the subject of, uh, of Anne, the Manchester Evening News picked up on Anne's money in last night's edition. They seem to think her property, both here and in Spain, may have been in husband David's name, not too far from Beverly Callard's place. Uh, hence why there isn't as much cash as expected, says Paul. Yes, I mean, that—that that is a point. I never thought about that. I suppose for, for tax reasons, give it to the husband. And then I suppose the £100,000 she had in cash, I mean, that would... Still a lot of money to have in cash, isn't it, really? But there again, I suppose all of us can sit back and count our money. And if you take into consideration, I know, when you look in your wallet and sort of, yeah. Ooh, look, dust, dust. Queen blinks in the light. All that sort whoa, is that a tenner? God, you're loaded, honestly. Producer's got a tenner. On a Wednesday, on a Wednesday. Oh, <laughs> blimey. Uh, uh, uh. Sandwiches on your, I'm not buying sandwiches anymore, I've decided. I'm only buying yours because they had a piece in the paper on how they make them the other day. And that kind of put me off sandwiches a little bit. I know, but the, the trouble is they do taste nice, don't they? I mean, that's, it's obviously, it's the easy way to go now, eating sandwiches, we just do them. And uh, 84850, uh, Steve says somebody should clip Mr Ray, this is David Ray, around the ear and tell him he's not Vinnie Jones. I mean, I wonder what a horrible man he is. I, want, I feel like driving down to Bournemouth today, finding out where this place is and standing outside and going, Boo! Boo you! <laughs> Won't make any difference at all. Uh, signing in from Seoul, says Pete. Yesterday we had people signing in from around the world. We'd like to know where you are listening to the programme. Many people are working. Many people are getting up for work. Because we start at four, around the world it's all the different timescales. And so we've discovered people working all over the place. And people just getting up. Or sometimes it's in the middle of the afternoon game. We're on holiday and we're having a very, very nice time. Um, <laughs> yes, uh, Steve, I have read out the uh, the piece, uh, SJ. About uh, John Inverdale referring to a female tennis player as not being a looker. Because I think that's called fair comment. If somebody's not attractive, you have to tell them, or pop it on a postcard, pop it through the front door. There's no point in letting people wander about thinking that they're not attractive. We said the other day for the poor, pitiful cast of The Only Wears Essex, it's difficult to replace them. They're all well past their sell buys now, they're into their 30s, and uh, still behaving like little children, and still behaving badly. And you think to yourself, well, perhaps we have to get rid of them. I stupidly made the mistake the other day of saying, perhaps we should get rid of these people and then recast them. And then I thought, I think they've trawled Essex and these are the dumbest that they've been able to find. Because there's something the matter with every single one of them. I don't think any one of them in there is is what I would class as normal. They've all got either issues with either boyfriends or girlfriends or skin complaints or clothing malfunctions. And so I think what they've done in the programme, they can't find anybody else in there. Because everybody else in Essex is normal, apart from these remedial ones that they said, would you like to be on the television? <laughs> I would, yes. All right, dear, you're on the television. And so that's how it goes. I don't think, they, uh, I don't think they're ever going to find anybody else. Uh, Do you remember the storyline, says Malcolm, in Coronation Street, when Mavis and Derek, oh, I don't really know, Rita, <laughs> had their garden gnome stolen and were receiving postcards from it from abroad? You see, well, that was pinched from real life. That did actually happen. That did actually happen. Uh, The Midland isn't the only name coming back. Williams and Glynn, says Paul are supposed to be on the way back as well. In a deal similar to the one that saw Lloyd's having to sell branches, which were then rebranded under the old TSB name. Royal Bank of Scotland branches, which were put up for sale, are supposedly taking the William and Glynn's name after the Santander tear deal fell through and that was why i opened my account in scotland so i'm with royal bank of scotland scotland branch i'm in edinburgh which is very nice and because i didn't want to be with santander thank you very much indeed i don't want to be with a spanish building society i wanted to be with something that sort of made me feel a bit more close to home and uh, so if they sort of sell off i should just move everything up to edinburgh makes no difference where your money is makes no difference. You still do it all on the internet. You can just sort of phone up and transfer money and pay things. So it, it makes no difference. But I wouldn't mind seeing, I really wouldn't mind seeing the William & Glynn's name back. Because it's. sounds, but it only looks good if it's on your chequebook, doesn't it? I'd quite like a Cootes card. i quite. I quite fancy that, Or a Nando's card. That'd be equally as impressive. Equally as impressive. Have you seen Nando's Have you heard of Nando's cards? The black cards. Have you heard of, have you seen them? Unbelievable. Unbelievable. It's obviously for select people. I'm a bit miffed. I'm not a select person. I want to be a select person. I've never managed to be a select person up until now, but I'm very influential. I can manage to get the sales of Prosecco to go through the roof. And as for those people who want to buy that book, which you can get on Kindle now, so you want to be a celebrity, they're doing a special deal on it, I think, on Amazon. Written by that Steve Allen bloke who knows all about the celebrities. And it's a very good book. There's a series of them from LBC's presenters. All exactly the same length. I think they're all 75,000 words. Because somebody said, oh, it's not very, very very big. I thought, well, you better write to Nick Ferrari and James O'Brien and tell them the same. Because they're all exactly the same length book. That's, that's the format of it. And, um... And mine's the one which is all about the celebrity world, how you get into it, how you stay in it, and what happens when it all goes uh, pear-shaped, as it does on many cases, many, many cases. Uh, My late dad was chief cashier at the Nat West Bank in Hackney. And uh, when he started with it, it was called the National Provincial Bank, says David. Combined with the Westminster Bank to become the National Westminster. But everybody called it the Nat West. And that's now its official title. Yes, it is now called Nat West. But it's National Westminster, isn't it? It's funny how we, these things get changed over the years. Time check for you. Come on, you might be uh, rushing to catch a train or a bus or a plane or a bicycle or something this morning. It's now quarter to six. Steve Allen on LBC. Ten to six is the time. It's Steve Allen's early breakfast. It's nice to have you company. Hope you're well. If you're going on holiday, bye. <laughs> I don't really care. If people are going on holiday, I always say it doesn't matter because you probably podcast the programme anyway. And you've got enough taken and stored in your machine so that when you go away, you can feel as though you're still part of everything here in London town, uh, even though you might be sort of sipping pina coladas on a beach somewhere in Tunisia. Uh, today the weather is dry, mainly cloudy this morning, brightening up into the afternoon. Some good sunny spells becoming breezy later on, north winds developing, making it feel rather cool on the North Kent coast. They're obsessed with the North Kent coast. Seriously, on a daily basis for the past three days, they mention the Kent coast. In all the years I've been doing the weather, we've never mentioned the Kent coast. This morning, the North Kent coast. So uh, feel duly privileged, ladies and gentlemen, if you live there. Uh, tonight... Cloudy again, remaining mainly cloudy and dry overnight with some clear spells and the wind gradually easing. Thursday, see what we've got here, dry, cloudy day, few sunny spells at times, lighter winds, feeling warmer and more humid than on Wednesday. Oh, won't even be enjoying that. 21 degrees, 70 degrees Fahrenheit and for Friday through Sunday, uh, they're offering here warm and humid, heavy thundery showers developing, clearing away northwards overnight. Saturday Cloudy and humid, but mainly dry Sunday, mainly cloudy with rain possible at times becoming cooler. So that's the weather forecast all the way through until the weekend. So if you're having a barbecue, which I am going, um, I hope uh, the weather stays reasonably fine wherever you are. Kent Coast, of course, slightly worrying, but there again. Uh, Tracy says, talking about hoses, we've got a hose, but we can't find the tap connector. It's needed for an indoor tap. Yes, you can buy them. It depends what sort of tap you've got. I've got um, a dual tap, hot and cold, coming out of the same thing. And I went to Homebase, I think, or, yes, Homebase, and they have the tap adapters on there. And it, mine screws onto the top of the tap, and then you've just it's got the normal adapter underneath it, which is good. She said, um, we've often had them in the past, but they never fit correctly and often flood out the kitchen. What you need to do is go in and have a look. There's loads of them, I think, in Homebase, all different things. Some are like a rubber bung, and you tighten it up at the side. They're not particularly good. Mine is held on, and it's got the, the hose adapter underneath. So uh, they are available, absolutely. Uh, Dominic is signing in from Singapore. Lunchtime here. Great show, he says. Lunchtime in Singapore. What would you have for lunch in Singapore? Would that be street food? I mean, I bet your street food is ten times better than ours over here. Although we are getting in parts of London, they, they sort of say, oh, we do street food. If only you could eat donuts, I'd be happy to eat donuts. You see those? I, had, I did buy one a short while ago. There was a Marylebone Festival down the road in Marylebone High Street about a year ago, and they had somebody selling luxury donuts. <sighs> They were delicious. I only bought two and uh, made a complete pig of myself and nearly, nearly topped myself by, uh, by eating this thing, which was so full of sugar. It was a disaster. Disaster. Kevin is in uh, Austria, listening to LBC before going to work. How lovely. I know Austria so well. I like it very much indeed. Nice place, actually. And I could happily live next to a Wurst stand. You wouldn't need to uh, ask me twice about anything like that. i would be the first one there. In the morning. Oh dear, something about it. Uh, I used to love, Steve, my Siberian duck down duvet, but even better, English wool duvet. As a woman of a certain age, over 40, are we? She says, uh, This is Mary in Woking. I can't get through the night without hot flushes because the wool breathes much more than down. Wool is also hypoallergenic and does not breed mites like down does. God. Discovered all this by accident. I'm now a convert. So there you go. Thank you, Mary, very much indeed. Uh, George in, uh, Dungannon town in the middle of Northern Ireland. Never miss a minute of your show every morning, but I'm not presently, um, employed. He says, the best thing you ever said was that a gay man can't bake a cake. This was the story of the bakery in Ireland. You remember he went in, and he wanted this, this gay slogan on the top of it. And, uh, we did express incredulity that a gay man actually couldn't bake a cake. We thought this was kind of pushing the boat out a little bit too far. You know, I'm sure he could have done it. Uh, eight for eight, five, oh. Uh, Tony Bennett, apparently, before he went on stage last night, there is a story in the paper that they think he might have suffered a heart attack. I can't remember which paper it was in now, but uh, they think that before he was due to go on stage, he might have suffered a heart attack. It's in uh, quite a number of the papers for today. Mainly because it was a it was charity. And so that's why. I can't find it at the moment, but I will. Zach Goldsmith in all the papers, as he he pushes forwards to uh, throw his hat in the ring for Mayor of London. They're all doing it. And then what we've got to do in London is decide which person uh, we want as Mayor. I'm sure we'll make the right decision. We seem to be fairly good at doing decisions like that. Uh, Steve, why should foreigners be exempt from laws in England? It's the adults now that need to do as they're damn well told. Otherwise, we punish them. This is the story on the, the judge who has agreed that new migrant parents can hit children if it's in their culture. I mean, quite rightly, the NSPCC have said that different practices are no excuse for child abuse taking place. Now, of course, it's very easy to say that smacking somebody is abuse, and I suppose in a mild way. In certain instances, it could be seen as a mild abuse. But for a judge to say it's okay if it's part of culture, what culture would that be? I've no idea. No idea. Uh, Sanjay is in uh, Germany on holiday. Strange place to go on holiday. Strange place. We went there years ago. It's quite nice. Quite nice. We went to Bertelsgarten which was uh, Hitler's hideaway, otherwise known as the Eagle's Nest. And that really is worth uh, worth going to see. Not because it was there, but because it's sort of still up the uh, still up the top of this mountain and you have to go up by lift. You cannot just sort of get up there anyway. You have to go in this lift and it's a copper lift. And we, I bought a postcard. You always buy postcards when you're young. and You look at them years later and think, what in God's name's done by that for? Uh, Dale signing in all the way from sunny Western Supermare. Actually, I've got somebody who's in a... In a seaside resort at the moment. I remember I was flipping through my uh, texts and emails and I've got this fascination at the moment to live. And I think it's Ian, actually. I think Ian, who lives in, I think he's the one who lives in Worthing. Is it? You know, he's cabin crew. And I was looking at the pictures of Worthing. it has got a pier and everything. It looks quite nice, actually. But he, he was talking about Anne Kirkbride earning £270,000 a year. So I suppose by the time you've taken off the tax, the amount of money she left, if the property was in her husband's name, well, then I suppose it would be feasible that she only had about hundred odd thousand pounds in the bank. I would have thought she'd have had savings. Wouldn't you have thought that? Unless they're joint and they don't count if they're joint. So in other words, if there's still somebody surviving... Uh, who would benefit from her will? Then they're not going to announce how much money he's got because that would be that's his. It's only if they both died then they would say this is how much money is there because she must have had savings. You know, by the very nature of the business that she's in, savings would be the thing that you would have. Although she'd been there for for so many years, I would have thought she was practically rock solid. Charlie's signing in from bed in Harlow. Don't make a say it about Harlow again. And I phoned my dad from uh, from Devon whilst on holiday once says Tony. Not a good idea, as it was like, wish you were here, which he wasn't. I shan't do that again. Though when we're on honeymoon uh, in September, I might be tempted just to let you know that we're listening. Oh, right. Okay. I don't, I'm all right with that, actually. Uh, listening down under in Adelaide, expats. We have you on every day at work. We're around the world with this programme, you know. I think because it's about one of the few programmes that people listen to in London, and then once they've got hooked on it, then they, they tend to go abroad, and then they say, have you heard this? And they sit there having their croissant. Looking out over the pool. I just, I can visualise it, having seen all these programmes on the television which are talking about, you know, people buying these holiday homes and they've got pools and everything else. All I keep thinking is, where's the nearest shops? What happens if you have a power failure? What happens if all of a sudden the lighting goes down and you're stuck and it's pitch black in the middle? Oh, frighten the life out of me. Frighten the life of me. Uh, David's uh, 60 uh, kilometres south of Tokyo, A balmy 28 degrees. He says, I'm watering the garden. We've just had lunch. How lovely. How lovely. (laughs) 60 miles south of... I'd love to go to Tokyo, but I'm told. Haven't they just banned smoking? I'm sure somebody said the other day they've attempted to ban smoking. And in Wales, they're trying to stop smoking on a beach. And they want to stop people smoking these e-cigarettes as well. Interesting. Uh, Marilyn says, uh, for your information, much of Anne Kirkbride's assets were apparently in joint names, which is what I said, actually. And so the stuff goes automatically to the survivor. The amount quoted is what was in her name alone. You see, I mean, did she have to think, think they would have had a joint pension? Can you have a joint pension? I don't even know if you can have joint pensions nowadays. I'm not too sure about things like that. I've got a pension running, which I start, which I took out when I was 16. Sixteen years old, and it's—I mean, it's a tiny amount. I mean, seriously, seemed an absolute fortune when I was sixteen. Nicola normally in Sittingbourne, but uh, this week is in Birmingham. And said I should be having a lion. I don't have to get up to work because I can't miss your programme. And Tony said the Ramsgate, Thanet, Kent, man-made wartime seafront caves. Have you been there? No, but they sound fantastic. (laughs) I like the sound of that. The Ramsgate, Thanet, Kent man-made wartime seafront caves. God, that sounds brilliant. I've seen some things associated with the the war, but, uh, but nothing like that. That sounds absolutely brilliant. Coming up to the news at uh, 6 o'clock. We're here until 6.30. Don't forget, if you go to the LBC website, lbc.co.uk, there's an app that you can download for your phone. It either works for the Apple phone or for Android phones as well. And that means that the free podcast gets sent to your phone every single day. And it costs you not one penny piece, which is good news. You can, of course, find out about podcasting on the LBC website from as little as £2.00 A month, I think it is. It's very cheap. You can download everything, absolutely everything, lbc.co.uk. The man behind the world's biggest pop songs gets a special evening, and so he should. According to one journalist today, Kate Moss is a jumped-up madam, but they didn't need to call the police. The police have got better things to do at the moment. The fans fury at the rip-off for the Doctor Who exhibition. The Survivor's Guide to the Plague of Cold Calls. My advice is don't answer the phone. Just get one that's got the reader. If you don't recognise the number, don't answer it. And Seleni has Royal Protocol Nightmares. All of that and more t'other side of the news on LBC.
0: This is LBC, leading Britain's conversation with Steve Allen. Tweet at LBC, text 84850, Steve Allen on LBC.
1: Morning, everybody. Wednesday, the 10th of June 2015, racing through this year. As I said uh, the other week, very shortly, it's going to be Christmas. I know, I know. Try not to remind yourself that it's not that far away. In a moment, we'll run through the front pages of the uh, paper, some of the stories... That are trending this morning. The migrants who have been told they can slap children. It's part of the culture. I don't know how you're ever going to find that out. The mum in France who's seeking £80,000 from the French authorities as they did not prevent her son from going over and being a jihadi. Uh, Washed out holidays. Get a fake tan. Nobody will know the difference. Just tell them you had a great time. Sit at home. The mystery of the gnome invasion. And uh, the survivor's guide to the plague of cold calling. All of that and more, which we'll cram in in the next 25 minutes on LBC. But do go to the LBC website, lbc.co.uk and do check out uh, about podcasting. Uh, Either the free podcast, as a few of us have free podcasts every day. Mine's just a little one, looking at the world of celebrity where we pull them apart mercilessly. And uh, I have to be honest, it's it's adult listening. We don't swear or anything like that. We don't do that sort of thing. But uh, we generally have fun at their expense because they're generally quite easy to take the mickey out of. So there's that one and then there's the other Programs on lBC, which are all podcastable, even the specials, and uh, all the celebrity in conversations as well and this weekend it 's going to be Beverly Turner, you know she has a show on LBC on Sunday, and we sort of we get behind the person as they say, and uh, we sat in here the other week and had a very good chat. And she's got a show on Sunday morning. You've heard her as well during the week, covering for various other people as well. And she's married to James Cracknell. So we'll find out about her, her early life. very interesting. I think a lot of you will identify with her early life. So uh, that's coming up on Sunday. And together, together with Richard E. Grant as well. Richard E. Grant is in. to talk about uh, his new movie as well, which is a sequel to Hope and Glory, John Borman's film, from about, I think, 1987. And uh, that one's on general release now as well. So uh, it's all looking very nice for this weekend. As long as we've got the weather, we should be fairly OK. Uh, Damien's in Singapore, sitting by the pool, having lunch. It's so sickening when people send in pictures of people having lunch. Not that I'm I'm envious at all of anybody sitting in the sunshine. That's not my colour. Calis- I, I would have to sit there practically burked up. I just cannot bear the sunshine. I know everybody absolutely loves it. Uh, Steve's in Goa. Lunchtime here, he said, and it's 34 degrees. You see, double it and add 30, you're looking at... You know, 60... You're looking at just under 90 degrees. I mean, it's just hell on on legs for me. All right, in the water, but because I made the big mistake some years ago, we went to Las Vegas, and I tend to forget, because everything's so lush and so watered in Vegas. You would think, actually, whereas we have water shortages, you know, hosepipe ban. Never had a hosepipe ban in Vegas in their life. Everything's watered in the morning. It looks glorious. Everything's wonderful. And I did stupidly forget we were slap bang in the middle of the desert, and it gets very, very hot. And we were staying at the Hilton... And we, uh, which was the hotel where Elvis played so they had one of his jumpsuits downstairs and it was all very lovely and a big showroom and I was in and out of the pool to cool off what I wasn't doing though and this was my, my big downfall when I got out of the pool what I should have done is dried myself off and put on sun cream what I was doing was getting out of the pool and lying down on a sun lounger thinking rather unwisely that the sun will dry me off And it did, at the expense of uh, of getting sunburn, because each little droplet of water acts as a magnifying glass. And each little droplet of water acted like a magnifying glass on my legs. Consequently, after two days, and no, actually it was only one day in the Vegas sunshine, I was burnt to a frazzle. And being pale, and God knows if you've seen me, I am pale. I'm the sort of person, I don't go any other colour apart from red. And I got burnt to pieces. By the time we get on the aeroplane to go on the next uh, leg of the holiday, I could barely walk. When they got me off the other end, I had to get off in a wheelchair because I could not walk. My legs were so... They were literally... They were pulsating. You know, you see on the cartoons, they go bum, 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 bum. it looked exactly like that. It was absolutely dreadful. Absolutely dreadful. Uh, 11.10. And I don't know where uh, Simon and Jane are, but uh, just before they turn in for the night, it's a balmy 22 degrees, but we're not sure where they are. So it doesn't really help, actually. It'd be nice to know where... Where? We, where no, it doesn't say at all where they are. Apparently it's 11.01pm. Oh, oh, you think, how do you know that? West Coast of the United States. Where? Does, oh, right, OK. He thinks West Coast of the United States, Simon and Jane. So if you, he's only guessing. Think it's a good guess or not? I mean, I don't know. Is that, is that the time it would be over there? How exciting. I love the idea of being in another country, listening in. It's not as exciting because uh, John Jay signed in from Southport on Merseyside. I mean, that's not really as exciting, is it? We can't, you know, with the best will in the world, we can't make Merseyside sound like the Bahamas or or even Thanet. <laughs> Listening in the car, Steve, uh, from Sydney, Australia. makes my day. Can you listen in the car then as well? All, all in favour of that. And um, 84850... Uh, Bill says, a far more superior interviewer resulting in a far more superior interview. Yes, well, I think you'll think so this weekend. Richard E. Grant, we laugh. Somebody okay. said to me... Oh, sorry. Somebody said to me, what? <laughs> hopefully another notification. 81 million, do you think it could be? Do you think I could be that lucky? No, not at all. And, um... <laughs> wait a minute, is it? Oh, no, it just says your ticket is finished. Not surprised. Oh, I, got, I did win on the lottery the other night, incidentally. Just to really uh, excite your day. £14. Pounds. Not going to be retiring anytime soon. Front pages of the papers: the story of the mum on the run, with custody battle. Son. Sorry if it sounds like rhyming couplets. And uh, this is Rebecca Minock. Uh, her fa- three members of her family have already been questioned by police. The police think that they're hiding information about knowing where she is. Uh, she was told to hand over three-year-old Ethan to her husband and the father of the child, Robert Roger Williams, in Somerset. And uh, her mum Louise says, I think she's panicked. Well, obviously somebody's hiding her somewhere. And uh, as the judge has said, they will find her and there will be repercussions for those people who have harboured her. And so you have to be very, very careful on that one. And the judge has now asked for help in trying to find the runaway mum and the son. I'm not too sure, actually, because I haven't read enough into the story um, about why the father has got total custody of the child. And uh, they can't reveal the circumstances due to reporting constrictions. But uh, Ethan had begun spending four nights a week with his dad and three at his mums. But she made allegations and the judge ruled that the boy should live with his father. The mum was warned of the outcome beforehand and then she vanished. She was last seen being driven from Highbridge towards Cheltenham, where the family are from. And uh, Roger lives in nearby Burnham-on-Sea. His home is equipped with CCTV. His letterbox has been nailed shut after an unexplained attack. That could explain probably why the the son is going to live with him and not his mother. But as I say, the reporting restrictions are there. HSBC to disappear, as will 8,000 jobs. The bank's name to be ditched. The retail arm could be sold off as well. And uh, as somebody here has said, it's a stab in the back to the workers who put HSBC back on the road to recovery. There's also in the mirror today, the survivor's guide to the plague of cold calls. And I've always, I always—I never understand why anybody would look at a phone, whether it's your mobile or whether it's your home phone, and go, wonder who that is. Hello? Why would you answer it? If it's somebody important, they'll leave a message. I got one the other day. And in fact, all you have to do, and it's, it's, this is a fairly simple thing, anybody can do this, and I do it if I if a phone number comes up on my uh, on my phone and uh, and I look at it and I think I wonder who who that is and uh, this number came up uh, a few times oh one two double three so I put in the whole number on Google and it tells you it's cold calling it's people cold calling you and so I don't even bother answering why would you bother answering if you don't know who it is or fell in, just get an answer phone they're so cheap you can get them built into the telephones. And then it saves you having to worry about the cold calling. That's all they want. They're trying to sell you something. You know, keep your name off sales call lists, screen your phone calls, go X directory if necessary. And what are they selling? Um, all sorts of things. Solar panels. Solar panels. Uh, payment protection insurance. Boilers. Accident claims. Debt banking and lifestyle that's what they're generally calling about so i mean that the problem is bad they say nine out of ten landline users are plagued by cold calls well i get into my mobile i think that must have at some point must have bought something and i've gone on a list but i never answer them as far as i'm concerned and they never leave a message either which is good uh, biggest fines there was a fine of over i think one million six hundred thousand which went out uh companies have taken action to stop cold calling uh, do not do not give away personal or financial information do not lose your temper do be firm and simply hang up just go bye put the phone down or well, failing that i tend to find and i know it's it's a little bit cruel to do it but it it's kind of appealing at the same time is when they phone, just say hold on a sec and just just put put the phone down just wander up just go and do your normal stuff Just go do your normal stuff. Somebody else calls you, it'll go straight to the aunt's phone anyway, so it doesn't make any difference. And just let them sit there for as long as you want them to sit there. And then at the end, just pick up the phone and go, yeah, oh, they've gone. What a shame. Mad Magaluf, according to the Daily Mirror today, uh, the holiday Brits have ignored the booze crackdown. You're not to be seen drinking on the streets, any nudity... Any uh, weeing in public? Uh, The police are coming down very heavy. Oh, don't worry, say, this little crowd of uh, British squirts. We're not going to be paying any fines any time soon. Expect yourselves in prison, then, because they're not wasting time. They've dragged in more and more police officers now to deal with this problem, which, to be honest with you, is of their own making. They've encouraged the boozing in Magaluf. It's not like it's happened overnight been going on for donkey's years donkey's years and they profited it quite nicely thank you very much indeed now of course the bar owner is going oh what are we going to do what are we going to do and the answer is well you've made so much money the uh, the government there have allowed it to go on they should have clamped down on this years and years ago i think magaluf today other places tomorrow quarter past six steve allen on lbc 6.20 is the time. It's nice to have your company. Welcome to Wednesday. So, a bit of a mixture with the uh, with the weather, and if you're off on your holidays, people around the world listening to this... Pro- Actually, it's probably people on holiday, which I quite like. I quite like that. Um, Brian says, Anne Kirkbride spent most of her money on cigarettes. Well, we know she smoked. You could hear it in her voice, couldn't you? Ken! It was always a very much uh, a smoking voice. I still... I mean, in, in a strange way... We don't miss her because we see the images all the time. I've got a, a This Is Your Life, which a very dear friend of mine sent to me uh, with her on it. And it was, it was it's lovely. You look back. Television is is one of those mediums. Same as radio. You know, somebody can sort of pass on. But because you've got podcasting now, which has turned out to be absolutely enormous, you can always listen to that person. You know, so people in, you know, 10, 15 years' time when I've shuffled off, you know, will be still listening to programmes. Do you know, they'll be listening back going, Do you know, that nobody did it like he did. <laughs> Thank God. Um, We go to the Pavilion Theatre in Worthing, says Mary. A great restaurant called Denton's. Do you know that was my favourite thing years ago? And It it sounds really old now, doesn't it? And I wish I wasn't. Um, I apologise in advance for saying this to you. But I think I've now hit middle age. Because we went to Southend about two years ago with with the God Kids. And the best bit of the day, apart from going on the rides on the fun fair with my goddaughter, because she's fairly brave, she'll go, Come on, Uncle Steve. I'm going, yeah, it's great. She was about 15 at the time. But the best bit was getting the little railway that goes to the end of South End Pier and sitting there with a packed tea shop, having a cup of tea outside. It was it was the best thing ever. Seriously, I don't know. It's, I need to do it more, actually. I think I'm destined, because I'm Piscean, to sit staring out to sea, looking at water, having a cup of tea. I was quite, If they'd had sausage rolls, I'd have had a sausage roll. I quite like that idea. Um, 84850 stevenlbc.co.uk uh, A lot of people getting a bit excited about uh, London Mayor time. I think it will be very, very interesting. Very, very Interesting. Um, Ian says it's illegal to block all calls. HMRC etc. need access. Well, I think they, they can send me an email. I have correspondence with HMRC. I don't need. To, I've never actually spoken to them. The only, the only people I've ever spoken to are DVLA. I don't think I've spoken to anybody else. But I think you can. I think you can block all calls, and then you just you decide which ones you want to talk to. Much easier. Uh, I didn't see the uh, the guide dog program last night. It featured two people who'd lost their sight because of diabetes. Yes, don't worry. I get regular checkups. Regular checkups and uh, and then um, uh, Freddie says what's wrong with Thanet? I don't know I've never been to Thanet he says uh, I live there, oh well there you go, you've answered your own question he says you should really come down sometime, you'd love it Man- Manston Museum, Caves, Dreamland the Shell Grotto, I can live without the Shell Grotto I think about all the uh, the different things and uh, Alex is going for afternoon tea at One Aldwich, second time, I'm treating the missus inspired by Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. I think everybody should do something nice at some point. Andrew says, am I allowed to sign in, Steve, to the programme from Shepherds Bush? No, you're not. Shepherds Bush, I ask you. What was Shepherds Bush famous for? Brick kilns. Brick kilns. That's, uh, that's what they were famous for in the middle. Brick kilns. So there you go. Uh, another one here very quickly. Let's try and sort of wrap some of these up. Simon and Jane, where are they? They're in Edmonton in Canada, you fool. They weren't... Well, oh, that's, not, that's not too bad. Well, he was he was quite close, Simon and Jane. Edmonton. Actually, my, uh, my uncle uh, used to be a, a lecturer in Canada. He used to send this lovely magazine for every year, which had beautiful pictures. And I often thought to myself, I'd like to go to Canada. It's the only, it doesn't really feature. I know few people from this country go, but it's not the huge numbers that go to America, is it? I don't know. What's, what's the, uh, the language? Is it French? Is it French in Canada? Only, a, only in Montreal. Have you been to Montreal? Have you? Is it really nice? I oh, ar- oh, it's arty. What's the food like there? What, what are Canadians famous for? We know that the Americans do burgers and chips and fried chicken. What do the Canadians do? Oh, quite French. Oh, oh right. So it'll be snails and garlic and things like that. Oh God. Oh, it sounds horrible. It's like going to Iceland. The food there is dread. Take your own. Take your- never never go to Iceland and go into a restaurant. They do the most awful food over there. It's like Austria. Austria never known for food. It's it's only frozen food in Iceland. yeah. <laughs> Aunt Aunt Bessie, a big hit over there big hit, I have to tell you so Edmonton in Canada, I think you should send us a photograph of uh, the places around the world that you all live in I think that's the the best thing Noreen says, in the 80s we too were at the Hilton in Vegas we had the day coach tour, it rained it chucked it down, so much so the windscreen wipers couldn't cope, it was horrendous (laughs) good luck to any listener flying today thank you Noreen Oh, happy days. Happy day. Isn't it funny, when you when you look back on your holidays, we were so, you know, when, when we used to get little shrimping nets, the kids today don't know they're born, because what do they do? They sit there on their tablets. You see them sitting in the back of cars on on tablets. And that's why you sort of, you think to yourself, it's all changed in my day. We were grateful. And um, here we go. Maddie says, if ever you come to Southend again, Steve, let me know and me and Liling will take you to a lovely seafront cafe. Well, there you go. That sounds like the offer of the century, doesn't it? Happy days. Happy days. 26 minutes. Oh, we nearly got to go, actually. 26 minutes past six. Uh, Anne, listening from a holiday home. Oh, no, it's Jane. Jane's in Crete in a holiday home. Just getting breakfast. 24 degrees. (laughs) You see, you you, you don't sell it to me very well, I'm afraid. You don't sell it to me very well. Anything to do with heat. You just have to ask any regular listeners to this programme. Steve Allen does not do heat. He he just absolutely falls apart. But I will be... um, I will be out there watering hanging baskets. I must get a hat, actually. I must get one of those sort of bonnet kind of things to save the sun. I told you when we went last week to the Tower of London. Um, I was putting sun cream on the back of my neck. Because that's where you get burnt nowadays, isn't it? Front page of The Sun this morning. Uh, You can win a dream caravan worth up to 50,000 quid. Very exciting. Uh, Thank you and good knit. Great readers. 500,000 clothes ready for needy kids. The Express, why being content is the key to a longer life. I think that I agree with that, actually. If you're content, if you're happy with yourself. I think longer life, that's the way I look at it, it'll, it'll probably go bypass me. Lovely pictures of a very cheeky young race surprising the Queen at Epsom. Uh, he's very well healed. He's not just the little cheeky chappy that you think he is. His name is Mohammed bin Ahmed Jabba al-Habi. And he approached the Queen, he's only tiny, and he took his hat off and held his hand out to shake and she went, how sweet. And uh, he's, he's well known. I think he's part of the Saudi royal family entourage. Whatever it is, he uh, got his picture in all the papers. He's got more hair than is useful for a child of that age. Listen, I've got to go. Thank you so much indeed for your company. We'll have a free podcast up for you in around about uh, 15 minutes. Producer works very fast on this one, mainly because he doesn't want to hang around. He's been here for ever and a day, so he wants to get out of the building. So we, we do it as fast as we can. And then the rest of the podcast up a little bit later on. I'm back with you tomorrow morning. Have a great Wednesday. If you missed any of today's show, the podcast app is on the LBC website. At seven, it's Nick Ferrari. Coming up next, Lisa Aziz with the morning news.
0: This is LBC.